Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 3,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 100 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Hey, this is Chris Charlton, author of Eggshells Pro Wrestling in the Tokyo Dome, and you're listening to Keeping It Strong Style. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frogs. From the Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get-go, boy Yeah, from Tampa Bay to the Tokyo Dome This is Keeping It Strong Style With your hosts, Jeremy Donovan And the young boy, Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style The ace of podcasts On the Social Suplex Podcast Network Jeremy Donovan here Joined by the young boy Josh Smith. On today's show, we'll be reviewing the World Tag League Finals as well as covering all the latest news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing to the Social Suplex Podcast Network on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating and review. You can also get all the podcasts and columns at socialsuplex.com. Go to socialsuplex.com slash subscribe to sign up to get all the podcasts and columns delivered directly to your email inbox. Also, make sure to check out our friends at powerslam.tv. They have a great deal for all the social suplex fans out there. This is a hot new streaming service with over 4,000 hours of independent wrestling from all across the world. Use the promo code social suplex, all one word social suplex at powerslam.tv to get one month free of the service. They just put up new shows from bar wrestling, fest wrestling, and defy wrestling. There's all kind of indie wrestling from all over the world. They got AAW, they got stuff from Italy, Japan, they got stuff from all over the world. So check out powerslam.tv, use the code social suplex. You can utilize that service. Check out everything that they got. If you don't like what they got to offer, after one month, you cancel it and you're out no money. But I guarantee you, once you see the content that they have and you see everything that they offer, I mean, what is what, How much is it per month? Uh, I'm not sure what the monthly cost is. Um, I, I'm sure it's not more than... I mean, it's got to be right in line with <coughs> the nine ninety nine like yeah. industry standard. And I mean, you're already probably giving that to, that money to Vinnie Mac. <laughs> And I know a lot about, of people. How about your friends over here at, at Social Suplex and at Power Slam TV who are trying to create real content to better the wrestling industry? Right. And I know a lot of people, they're tired of Raw, tired of SmackDown. Um, you know, they're not necessarily watching NXT every week. Here's a great alternative. If you're looking to change up what your, rest, your wrestling schedule, go fire on Power Slam TV and just pick promotions or watching. Of, a lot of your favorite New Japan pro wrestlers, when they're out and about and abroad, you know. 
you want to find out how you can watch a lot of their wrestling and support them as well. And this is one of the ways you can do it through PowerSlam TV. Yeah, they got Rev Pro on here. Um, there's a bunch of bunch of promotions on here. PCW Ultra, um, Rockstar Pro, Smash Wrestling. So much great stuff. So go ahead and check that out. Um, Underworld Wrestling, who um, grown men watch this shit they interviewed. Uh, oh, that was a great interview. Uh, that they, was a really, really good interview. Yeah, so they got uh, some episodes of Underground Wrestling, Underworld Wrestling on there. So. I mean, you mentioned Fest. I mean, that's Effie's outfit. Yeah, our boy that's Effie. That's our boy Effie. Yeah. So, yeah, lots of great indie promotions on this Hopefully thing. Hopefully I'm not his rib boy still. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you guys uh, have to go back to some earlier episodes to find out about uh, the, the ballad of the young boy. And Effie. And Effie. <laughs> oh, man. But if you know if you know Effie and you know what a rib boy is, what kind of wrestler he is, then you can you can use your imagination. <laughs> <laughs> All right, young. We're, we're supposed to have him on like one of these days. Yeah, we need to hit him up. Yeah, he's gonna shoot. Yeah, he he loves to shoot. <laughs> uh, so we had the World Tag League Finals this weekend. Wrapping up this World Tag League Tournament, and we've got a lot of answers for what's going to be happening at Wrestle Kingdom. Um, so, I guess before we jump into the review of the final night, I guess overall thoughts on the tournament? Well, um, I don't have anything that's necessarily revolutionary uh, based on the kind of comments that we've had over the past few weeks, but I'll try to do my best here. So, I mean... Um, I thought that this tournament was has been really good, like really, really, really good. And I know, like just the other day, I was talking to uh, to Rich and James Boyd, and you know, James was saying something to me about like, you know, he doesn't have time to watch World Tag League or whatever, and he was kind of like disparaging it a little bit, but kind of being funny. And I was like, yeah, but it it's been pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, I'm sure it's pretty good. It's New Japan. <laughs> like everything New Japan does is pretty good. I was like, no, bro, you don't understand. It's World Tag League. So me, like, saying, like, you know what, man? It's, it's pretty good. That's high praise. Like, yeah, I mean. For, for, for a tournament that in the past has been very maligned, very, uh, I mean, I do see, I see people online that love it. You know, so there are those fans. But for people that review it every year, it does seem to be more of a consensus that this is a, a difficult watch, a difficult task. And, you know, for, for many reasons. But it seems like this year they really curbed a lot of that. Yeah, I mean, we did have a lot of complaints about some of the pairings and the teams going into the thing, but overall... Uh, I still do. I mean, there's still complaints, but I'm saying overall, once you drop that complaint, there was a lot of great three-and-a-quarter to four-star matches peppered in throughout this tournament. Um, there was some interesting, some little storyline stuff they did. Yeah. Um, you had the, the Dream Team teaming up throughout this tour, so... I will say this, though. Um, I think we had some criticisms of the single block and by the end of the tournament i feel like my our feelings towards that have been more reinforced yeah because it was as good as this has been and it's been very good the stuff that was memorable like it's easier for me to kind of recall it from earlier on in the tournament by the time how many nights was it 17 nights yeah man 17 nights and each team had 13 matches. Something like that, yeah. It's a lot of matches. Dude, I will say, dude. So it is hard for a lot of this to stick out in my memory. Yeah, dude. It's If, if the match wasn't like really good, then they all kind of blend together. And, like, dude, after, like, 17 nights, is like... But I, even even a lot of the, like, 
good matches, like the three and a half matches and stuff like that that I enjoyed, or even three and three quarters, like I kind of I'm forgetting them now, and it just happened a week or two ago. Yeah, yeah I will say, out of you know of a year of reviewing New Japan, this tournament was probably the hardest one. Just keep keep keeping up with. Yes. There were so many days, and then you know at the beginning you had those few days that were three and four matches, but then this last stretch like seven eight matches you got to watch the whole thing i mean <laughs> i was in uh almost um on a work trip this weekend in jacksonville right so i was in my hotel like trying to catch up on uh, day 16 right what are you gonna do if you're trying to have a social life or you're trying to work a job or get over yeah and, if you know what i mean <laughs> but what are you gonna what are you gonna do yeah, so like I don't know, but because you know we are the ace, we watch it all. Mm-hmm. I I, uh, I watched it all. <laughs> uh, I, thought, I, I I watched everything until the December sixth show. Mm-hmm. I watched no, I finished that show. I didn't I didn't finish the December seventh show. I didn't watch it at all, so I missed one show. Sorry guys. <laughs> Although by the time like I was starting to watch it, like the World Tag League Finals were already here, so I was like I already know. What, what yeah? What happened? Um, and I kind of looked at a review, and I was like, eh, "It's a skippable. It's a skippable show." Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, um, I think the two block tournament format is easier to, to maintain. Yeah, man. It, I it's just it, easier to manage. Yeah. To to know what's going on and to remember stuff like. And and also too, I like that you know the the dual blocks. You don't get a, a repeated match. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. So you know, with a single block. Uh, so round robin, every team has to face each other. So Lij and um, God had already faced each other earlier in the tournament. Yeah. So we're getting a repeat of a match we already had in the tournament, and potentially a repeat at Wrestle Kingdom if the challengers had won. You know. Yeah. Absolutely. So. No, that's a great point. Um, but I oh I don't want this to be a negative Nancy fest or anything like that. This was no, still overall really, it was, still really it was a good. good tournament. I enjoyed a lot of the matches. I enjoyed the tournament way better than I did last year. E- um, even though there's a lot of nights where if you were like, what happened on night ten? I probably can't really tell you. Well, actually, night ten was good, but there's a lot of nights where I couldn't give you the ins and outs of what happened. Overall, each night was enjoyable. Yeah. It was. Easier to, I felt like this to me was easier to watch than the junior tag league. Um, yeah, it just I feel like the biggest problem why it was so hard to get through was the quick secession, right? There was just a lot of shows back to back to back with a lot of matches, that, like, exactly. Now, if it was like one of those situations where you had like a bunch of shows that are like four, three tournament matches. Put up, it would have been cake, yeah, different story. We're, we're, we're veterans at this point, like we yeah. did this last year, like. Uh, I look at like this kind of schedule that we kept last year watching Tag League, and I thought it was truly difficult. And I was like, <laughs> I hadn't even watched a G One yet. Yeah. Um, so no, that was easy. I mean, there were so many like two night, two matches in one night, three, four, you know, that sort of thing. When you got like a full production show, which only happened a few times, like you're like, wow, this is a lot of matches. Yeah. But this year it was like, literally for the whole back half of the tournament, seven matches, seven matches, seven matches, seven matches. Oh. Full production show, nine matches. Yeah, get that for three nights. Here's some, here's seven more. Here's seven, and you're like, oh my god, like, how am I gonna watch all of this? Yeah, that was crazy, man. In uh, the last few nights of the tour, we had Excalibur join the commentary team from PWG. Oh, he, was, he was great. Yeah, dude, he uh, was great. Dude, this guy, he knew his history on a lot of the storylines and the wrestlers, the moves, like. Yeah, 
I actually, uh, when I watched the night, the December 4th show, mm-hmm. and they had Hanma on there. Oh, on the Japanese commentary? Yo, he's terrifying to listen to. Yeah, like, his voice, yeah. Bro, I never want to listen to that. <laughs> I never want to listen to Japanese commentary with, with Hanma on the, on the mic again. It's literally like the stuff that nightmares are made out of. <laughs> he reminds me of the fawn from Pan's Labyrinth. Like, he's scary as heck, dude. Yeah, like, dude. Uh, but yeah, I thought it sounded <laughs> I'm like, oh my god! Like, who's listening to this? This is a child. This is a family show, sir. Uh, but yeah, I thought Excalibur was great, and I think he's a great guy to get in there if Don Callis can't make it or Rocky Romero's managing. Well, we got some news, uh, you know, about a potential LA show, and there's a little connection that might kind of explain why Excalibur's kind of doing shows here. So there yeah. might be a connection there with PWG. We'll get into that later, but I thought that Excalibur was excellent. Yeah, like, he was great, yeah. Like, it's been a long time. And you know what? As much as we love Don Callis, and he's the best, he was not this good when he first started with New Japan. And I don't know too many guys that ever have been. Kevin Kelly definitely wasn't. Um, very very few people like just take to it like a duck to water. But yeah. Excalibur just jumped right in there and yeah. felt, felt like he was a part of the promotion from day one. Yeah, that, I, I was literally gonna say the exact same thing. <laughs> like he was excellent. Um, yeah, I hope he comes back, man. Like, yeah. I hope that someone's listening and like is like, yeah, the fans dig this guy. Yo, Rocky, we know you're listening. <laughs> Bring back the Excalibur. I liked him, I, I liked the the finals night when it was him and Rocky and yeah. Kelly. I thought yeah. that they had a good three man booth. Yeah, it was good stuff. So let's uh, start breaking down this uh, final show. So first match of the night, we had the New Japan dads, uh, Tenzan, Kojima, Nagata, and Nakanishi taking on Togi Makabe, Toa Hanare, Ayato Yoshida, and Shota Umino in the opener. What do you think about this one? It was good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I thought that, um, I thought it was interesting how at the end of the match that, it feels like maybe someone was listening to us at one point because I did say, I was like, down the road, what if we got a tag team between uh, Nagata and Nagata Kojima? And, Kojima. and uh, Kevin Kelly mentioned that, yeah. From like a kayfabe standpoint, that seems kind of ridiculous, obviously, but like, given that where, where all these stars are at this point in their careers, it's not that crazy. But I, I, I just want to like, you know, put it out there. Like, I definitely said that at the beginning of this tournament. Like, yo, I hope that someday they do this. Yeah, we mentioned it a couple times throughout the, this uh, this tournament. So, yeah, somebody's out there is listening. Uh, but, yeah, I thought this was, you know, a fun, solid opener. Pretty much, you know, it's what you expect in your opening match when you got New Japan Dads and Young Lions. Uh, the Young Lions want to prove themselves, Umino and Yoshida. And try to step to the New Japan Dads and eventually get mowed down by the New Japan Dads. And uh, this one ended with Kojima hitting the Koji Cutter on Yoshida and uh, hitting him with a lariat and getting the pinfall there. And um, yeah, I thought everybody looked good and everybody got their stuff in. So, I mean, it wasn't anything like that blew you away. But I do enjoy at the end of the tag league where these guys who are in different tag teams kind of get a chance to. Show up on the final show and do like a you know a big multi-man match like that, and yeah. usually they'll play in a, a bit to some of the stories that were developed over time during the you know th- throughout the tournament that sort of thing. Yeah. 
But this was at the same time like the guys that probably had the weakest uh, tournament. Yeah, from mm-hmm. from a kayfabe and point standpoint. So it's you know probably probably good that they're all curtain jerking together basically. Yeah, I also thought it was, uh, they kind of told an interesting story about Yoshida and Umino not having any chemistry, and that being one of the main reasons why they lost all the matches in the tournament. Yeah. And I thought it was very interesting. I think they're going to continue this story, this rivalry of Yoshida and Umino, and we're going to get some more one-on-one matches from those guys. I thought it was interesting, one of the nights where um, Umino had been attacked after one of the matches, I can't remember who it was against, but... Uh, basically, he was like getting carried out by Yoshida and Kanemitsu, and Kanemitsu was like in the. Oh, you know what? No, I'm thinking. I'm thinking wrong. Actually, for some reason, I've been thinking for like the past few days that uh, I've been confusing um, Umino with uh, Kawato, mm. and so I've been building this narrative in my head that doesn't actually exist between <laughs> him and Kanemitsu, because because in the early days, Kanemitsu and Kawato were like big rivals, you know. Gotcha. And so, and I don't know, probably just because I was thinking of... Uh, Kawato-san? Yeah, Umino being the ace and stuff. I was like, yeah. oh man, look at this, look at this compelling story. But it's really not. <laughs> but yeah, no, the stuff with Yoshida and Umino has been interesting and you're probably right, they probably are going to continue that story going forward. And that's definitely going to be a 2019 Feud of the Year candidate. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, probably not. <laughs> hey, it could be. If they have uh, 15 matches. Um so the next matchup here, we had the team of uh, Suzuki Goon, which was Suzuki, Iska, and KES taking on the team of Michael Elgin, Jeff Cobb, and the best friends Trent Beretta and Chucky e. T. So this one was very interesting because you had uh, the best friends coming out, and I mean, just how. I think I had a little bit of criticism about what was going on with Chuck E.T. and Beretta um, last week just because I was like, you know, if you're going to do a breakup angle, why do it in the, on this tour? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, that was sh- sort of short-sighted on my part because I was thinking like just because there's problems one time, then that means automatically they're broken up like, you know, like in a Western promotion. But this is more of like a semi-slow burn. Mm-hmm. They've been doing it over the whole course of the tour. And it's kind of even culminated in this match. So, you know, with Chucky e. T being such a wild card, and then the fact that he turned, well, he attacked Michael Elgin and Jeff Cobb. At the end of this match, yeah. No, no, no. Early, Early in the tournament, yes, right. Yeah, yeah. The, the second time he snapped, he had attacked Michael Elgin and Jeff Cobb. So, with them kind of being like at odds with one another, you know, super strong team and best friends, you're kind of like, how are these guys all going to work together? And then they got to face these. Maniacal lunatics in Suzuki Goon, which you know, for anybody that wrestles them, know it's going to be a tough night no matter what. Right, and Chucky e. T in this match, you know, went full crazy mode. He was challenging Minoru Suzuki. I loved it. I loved it, bro. and that that pissed Suzuki off. <laughs> he did not like that, so he destroyed Chucky. <laughs> yeah, I saw the post fight interview, and he was like, "I will literally kill you, you yeah. bastard." <laughs> He's like, "Don't st- stop trying to play heel." <laughs> 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 oh my gosh! But yeah, Suzuki destroyed this man. Before Bro, I, I loved him like trying to go toe to toe with Minoru Suzuki. <laughs> like, oh my god! I'm like this. This man has a death wish. Um, there's no way to get yourself over as being a crazy individual. There's no greater way to do that than to like literally be like, 
I want I want Suzuki. He's like, what? <laughs> Um, oh. It worked. It worked in spades for Sammy Callahan last year. Remember? Oh yeah, yeah. He's yeah. like, I want you to hit me. Yeah. And like Juice is like, I I don't think he knows oh. who Minoru Suzuki, Suzuki is. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. But um, so Suzuki Goon ends up getting the win here by disqualification. Chucky e. T snaps because the chair out starts hitting everybody. Yeah. With chairs, and they continue this story. And yeah, and yeah, that was the crazy thing. So they they'd been brawling on the outside, and he came in with the chair, and he. He attacked all of Suzuki Goon, but then he attacked Super Strong Team. Yep, uh, he hit Jeff Cobb first. Then he started hitting Elgin, and then uh, Trent Beretta basically had to like push him out of the ring because when Suzuki Goon sort of like regrouped and were coming in, he was like, "Oh crap!" <laughs> yeah. He threw him out like like a, like a Royal Rumble like elimination, and um, Chucky was trying to fight everybody like yeah. all the way out of the arena. He wanted to fight like all of uh, you know Suzuki Goon, which is just freaking crazy yeah dude. and i don't know where they're going with this yeah i haven't and that was a question we got a question from reddit user maserati he said um where is this chuck taylor and trent beretta story going i'm enjoying it but don't want them to split up too soon and honestly i have no idea where this story is going uh, i mean i have a feeling that the best friends will be a part of the pre-show never six-man gauntlet match I'm assuming it's going to be maybe best friends in Goto, maybe best friends in Toriano, some kind of chaos mix of best friends, and they'll probably be in the gauntlet, and Chucky e. T will probably snap again and get them disqualified from the gauntlet. Um, I'm not sure that that's the case. I'm kind of feeling like it's unlikely that Chucky e. T will be on the card. Just because, I mean, if you think about it, in what world does Chucky e. T get on the on the six-man tag over uh, Yano and um, Goto. And Goto. Yeah. Um, last year, he had been on the whole World Tag League Tour, remember? And he wasn't in that six-man uh, for the never when Chaos ended up winning that, by the way. Yeah. So I think it's possible. It's not, like, totally unlikely, but... They could do... They could do two Chaos teams, potentially. With who else? You could, you could do Rocky and the Best Friends... And then you do Goto, Yano, uh, Yoshihashi ready to get off the bench yet? Maybe throw it. Maybe. Uh, yeah, we haven't heard anything from Yoshihashi yeah. since he got injured. It makes me feel bad for like <laughs> how critical I am of the man. But um, that's a possibility. Yeah. And I, but, I mean, I still feel like he won't be on the... I feel like he won't I be I mean, on. the one thing I'm looking forward to the most in the story is seeing what they do on Ring of Honor TV. I want to see if Ring of Honor is going to keep the story going. Since these guys, they are one of the top teams in Ring of Honor. Um, they will be at the Final Battle TV tapings. Um, so I'm interested to see if the story is going to continue there. I'm not a big fan of them blowing it off on Ring of Honor television, if that's mm -hmm. what ends up happening. Um, I have no problem with them, um, you know, playing into the storyline via Ring of Honor. That's fine. But I just feel like if you started the storyline in New Japan, don't blow it off, you know, in the West. Right. Like, give us a conclusion. We watched this whole freaking tag league. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, I have no idea. But the one thing I will say is, like, I think it's highly unlikely that they continue to be a tag team long term. Yeah. Um, I mean, that would be some... That wouldn't really be good booking, in my opinion, if you... Unless you, unless some, unless they do something really good, and or maybe somehow like 
Chucky gets Beretta to snap also, and that they both end up being crazy. That would be a possibility. Okay, that's one way you could go. I mean, I'm not a great booker or anything like that, but it's been in my experience most of the times when companies tease a split and then it just doesn't happen, it kind of leaves you feeling like, why did we even do that? You right, know, what, right. What was it leading to? Um, and sometimes companies change direction, but you know, in most cases, especially with the way they've been building this, we're kind of waiting for the blow-off. I don't want the best friends to split, but at the same time, um, maybe they're ready to, you know. And I mean, yeah. like maybe maybe this is what's best for both their careers. I don't know. Yeah. So I guess we'll keep an eye on that story. Uh, next up, it was Zack Saber time as Zack Saber Jr. teamed up with Kanamaru and Desperado to take on the Chaos team of Rapungi 3K and the Rev Pro British Champion Tomohiro Ishii. Yeah, I, I I liked this a lot. I thought that this was a really good six-man tag. Um, you know, all six of these juniors just going at it. It was awesome. Six of these juniors. <laughs> uh, Sit there and try to tell me Zack Sabre and Tomohiro Ishii aren't juniors or that they weren't the same size as show, basically. Like, this is this was, this was, you know, junior tag team wrestling at its best. Uh, but yeah, this was a, a you know a good um, multi man match here. I liked it. The stuff with Ishii and Saber just got got you. Bro, uh, sign me up. Just bro. got you ready for Wrestle Kingdom. See those guys run it again. Yeah. Um, and then they they've never had a bad match. Yeah. Like uh, this is gonna be their fourth match. They've done three. I think so. Yeah. Right. Well, we they had that match in at, New Orleans. In New Orleans, prior to that, they'd had the match during the um, U.S. title uh, tournament mm-hmm. in Long Beach the first year. Um, oh, they had a G one match the year before that. Oh yeah, did they wrestle right. in the G one this year? Yes, they, they did. did. Yeah, so that's, that's four matches. Yeah, so this is gonna be their the fifth, fifth match. match. Nice. So yeah, I mean, their interactions here just got me, you know, ready for their matchup at Wrestle Kingdom. Um, all their matches have been fire. Yeah. If you think about it, literally every time. And it feels like now their interactions in these like multi-mans and stuff, they seem to be gelling more and having more chemistry than they were when they first started wrestling each other. Yeah, dude. Ishii's um, kick out, his, like, his near falls, dude, are so crazy. There was one point in the who, end of who this. Does, who does 3.29 better than Ishii? Yeah, there was one point towards the end of this match where um, Kanamaru hits Ishii with a deep impact. Yeah. And it literally looked like uh, Ishii wasn't going to kick out. He literally kicked out at no, 2.99. I heard you. You freaked out. <laughs> You're like, deep impact! <laughs> you know what's funny is like sometimes you'll remember some of these. Uh, moves names like Deep Impact. I f- always freaking forget. I'm like, what is he doing? Yeah. Like, you know, I'm a, I'm a moves nerd. Pinche loco. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm one of the moves nerd moves nerds out there. I like I like to know the names of the finishers and signatures. Uh, but yeah, so that was good stuff there. I thought it was really good. Um, how did this match basically end up? So this match ended with Ishii taking off Kanemaru's head of a lariat and hitting him with a brainbuster. That's right. So Ishii gets a win. Saber grabs the belt post match. Ishii says, "Come on, come on, bring bring my belt in the ring. Let's run it right now." And Saber was not about that. Didn't want to smoke right then. It wasn't about that life. Yeah, that's not the one, Chief. <laughs> um, so yeah, 
Yeah, I'm very excited. I'm very excited. And then I thought Show Show and Yo and um, Lij or I'm sorry, uh, Bunga Three K. That's Show and Yo. Yeah. Uh, no, Desperado and Kim. Oh, Connor. Yeah. I thought I thought that everything between them looked pretty good too. So I'm I'm excited for this uh, junior tag match as well. Yeah. And so in the following matchup, we had the third team that will be in that triple threat junior title match. Bushi and Shingo Takagi, they teamed up with Tetsuya Naito to take on the Bullet Club Elite team of Hangman Page, Yujiro Takahashi, and Chase Owens. Uh, this was really good, too. Um, this was like the Chase show, man. Yeah, dude. We, we always put over how well LIJ works together. Well, I think, you know, this team of Hangman, Yujiro, and Chase Owens worked really well together in this match. But like you mentioned, uh, Chase was the shining star in this match. He was just doing all kinds of cool stuff. There was this one move, I'm not even sure how to exactly to describe it, but he had like both, I believe he had both uh, Bushi and Shingo, and he did like this rock bottom reverse DDT thing where like he hit one of the reverse DDT, but then he like rock bottom the other guy on top of the other guy as he was like doing the reverse DDT. It's really hard to to picture it with me explaining it. So really, because it seems like you're doing a perfect <laughs> job. I can see exactly in my mind's eye. But uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, go back and watch this match. It was an awesome move, and like I popped for it because I was like, "How did he do that?" Like, it, I logistically, I just don't know how he even thought about doing that. How hard did you pop? <laughs> Oh man! Tell the good people out there in <laughs> listener land. Oh man, it was it was huge. It was pretty big. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, Chase was just killing it in this match. Chase man. Chase was awesome in this match, bro. Like I know that I'm always marking out over Chase. Like I f- sometimes I do feel like, and I know that. Listen, I know there's some listeners out there. Maybe there's not. I I, I do wonder. Like sometimes I wonder. Like if um. Because, like, what I'm about to bring up is, like, you know, I know there's people out there that, like, love Taichi. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, like, we don't really love Taichi. And I wonder, like, how many of our viewers or, like, listeners are that type of, like, New Japan fan. You know what I mean? Like, if, if like, our personalities, like, piss them off and, like, turn them off because we don't, like, love the, the guys that they love. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I do wonder, like, I watch a guy, and I'm going to criticize him a little bit, but I do watch, like, and we'll talk about Taichi later in the show, but I watch a guy like Taichi who is consistently getting all this love and all this underground, like, like you know, shine from all these wrestling fans. But then, like, I'm over here looking at Chase Owens, and, like, this guy can go better than, like, 90% of the roster. Like, he's just incredible. And I feel like I'm, I feel like sometimes I'm alone, you know? <laughs> it's lonely being a Chase Owens, like, Mark, so I hard. Mean, I mean, I love Chase Owens, too. Yeah, uh, I really yeah, you, you go, you, you go, you go hard. But I mean, I think Chase is great. Yeah, but like, yes, he is. Um, he's definitely underutilized. He's you know, he's a he's a great hand. And like we mentioned last week, that question about who who can benefit from going going down to junior, I think if Chase like cut that that extra weight he has on him, uh, you know, trim down, chisel up, uh, and get back into junior shape, I think he would get a, a huge push as a junior again. I wonder though. I don't know. That's a very. I mean, possibly, and with maybe with some changes that are t- gonna potentially take place in the junior division this next year, maybe that'll open up a spot. But uh, 
I don't know. He seems pretty comfortable the way, the way he is. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't know if that's like his aspiration, but um, that that could that would wouldn't be the worst like career move. But right. he's just excellent, man. And like, yeah, in matches like this, he just shines. And I mean, that's hard to do when you got Shingo in there, you got Naito in there, you got Hang Hangman Page. Page. Yes, like this. Yeah, it's a really good collection. I, I thought this was a very fun match with a uh. lot of talented guys. We also had a No Limit showdown in this match with former partners oh, Naito and uh, Yujiro. They had a little face-off in the opening of this match. So that was kind of cool to see a little throwback there. But overall, towards the end of this match, um, we have it's Owens and Naito left in the ring. Uh, Owens counters the Destino, but he gets hit with an Inseguri. Then Naito hits the Destino and gets the win for, gets the win for LIJ. Hmm. And then we move on to another six-man tag. We have the Chaos team of Kazuchika Okada, Toriyano, uh, teaming up with Kushida, not a member of Chaos, but joining this team here, uh, taking on the Bullet Club team of Switchblade, Jay White, Bad Luck, Fale, and Taiji Ishimori. And uh, before we even talk about this match... Oh, um, oh what were you going to say? Uh a big thing going into this match at the last actually there was something we overlooked on the last match so one of the big points after that match was over was it's the world tag league we're a few week it's the world tag league finals we're a few weeks away from um wrestle kingdom naito's in this big match no jericho not that anyone had reported that he was going to be there but we have kind of grown accustomed to the idea of Maybe something, you know what I mean, to right. build up to a, to a Wrestle Kingdom match, but nothing. And yeah. I mean, the, the, basically, the last word we got from Jericho was on Twitter, where he's like, "I'm not gonna do the match." Well, yeah, he's been saying that. Yeah, he's <laughs> been doing interviews and tweets. I'm not, you know, this match is not happening. Like New Japan can say the match is happening, they can promote the match, but I'm not coming to Tokyo. The match is not happening. I think a lot of people were to some extent expecting something though just because he's been saying that been saying that been saying that but now this is the last big show before Wrestle Kingdom and last year we got that amazing angle where he attacked Kenny Omega Fukuoka is Jericho yeah Fukuoka is Jericho <laughs> um, and nothing well we still have two Road to Tokyo Dome shows coming up this weekend the cards are actually pretty good I mean we could get a Jericho appearance on one of those nights Possible. I mean, we could. It just does seem a little bit uh, like I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of Jericho just regurgitating the same thing he's been doing, like you know, all all year. So I think it is kind of interesting that he didn't do anything here. But it also seems like, on the other hand, maybe a waste of opportunity because this is the last big show. You know, right. the road to shows are going to be there in Corkin, um, but we'll see. I guess. Yeah. Um. So yeah, back to this uh, Chaos versus Bullet Club match. Um, I was saying that kind of the big story going into this match, um, Jay White and the Bullet Club dominated the Dream Team the last few nights of the tour. It was Jay White, uh, Fale, Ishimori, and Ghetto that took on Okada, Tanahashi, Rocky Romero, and Kushida several times in a row, eight-man tags, and the Bullet Club team got the got the win Every night they face each other. Uh, most of the time it was Ishimori getting the pin on Rocky Romero. Sometimes Jay White getting the pin on Romero. Uh, there was one time where Ishimori pinned Kushida. 
Um, so this Bullet Club team got really heated up here and was dominant over the Dream Team. Yeah. Yeah, for whatever reason, um, they just couldn't seem to get the W. Yeah, I mean, with you know Okada and Tanahashi on the same side, you think, man, like this team has to get at least one or two wins out of the many times these teams face each other this last week on this tour, but that was not the case. I think that I think that that's very interesting that they haven't picked up a win yet. Um, I think that it's good storytelling for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, I actually saw last week after we'd done our show, one of our listeners had actually posted on um, Reddit and was like keeping it strong styles like stance on you know uh, Tanahashi and Okada and and the stuff with Jay White and I was I had to like sit there for a minute and think like what was our take on that <laughs> yeah like I, I I didn't know like what our what our opinion actually was <laughs> yeah he was I think he was referring to what I was saying last week when I said I think that they're gonna save the big win. Um, in a, for a big tag team match. It's a two-on-two. Two. So it's just Okada and Tanahashi taking on whoever it is, maybe Jay White and Fale at some point, and you save the big Mega Power, Mega Aces win when it's just the two of them. Um, yeah, and I, I remember also thinking, like, I was like, I don't remember saying any of this. Like, I just want you guys to know that the thoughts and opinions of Jeremy Donovan do not <laughs> accurately reflect the thoughts and opinions of the young boy Joshua Smith. Let's get that very clear. So next time that someone posts keeping a strong style, let's 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 use some uh, context here. It's it's Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I I sometimes wish I was a better analyst when it comes to this sort of stuff, so I could be like, oh, this is definitely where they're heading, and I could definitely, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. But I don't. I really don't know, to be honest with you. Um, and maybe I'm telling on myself a little bit, but I have found it difficult to keep. A like a really accurate uh, record of what's been happening with them all throughout this tour because it's been it's been only a few shows that they've had multi man matches involving the Mega Aces and Okada and the Bull or I'm sorry uh, Jay White and the Bull Club, but not only that but it's always at the end of like long shows they're in the main event so it's <clears> like you know. I'll have, and, bi- I'll have binged like seven matches and then I get to that one and I'm like, what what's happening? And yeah. Honestly, I, I got kind of tired of the Dream Team versus Bullet Club matches at the end. I, Be- I, I did too because um, they haven't been that great right. or memorable. It's one of those situations where it's one of those matches they're doing. They want that match to happen in a lot of different cities so all the cities can see the same match and the same finish. And it's one of those it's match- a preview match. Yeah, it's one of those matches that are, aren't really designed to be viewed eight times. Right. Like y- you can watch it one time and you get the gist of what's going on. Right. But I, be- I we saw it the first time and I think we had a lot of praise for it last week. Yeah, like because. But now the, I've seen it a lot. <laughs> the six man tag when it was just Tanahashi, Okada, and Kushida against Jay White, uh, Fale, and Ishimori. That was the one of the better ones of everything they did, and then they went into the eight man tags from then on for the rest of the tour, and they were fun. I mean, they were good. I mean, you got those. There's a bunch of talent in that in the both sides, and it's good stuff. But seeing such this, talent as Rocky, Rocky Romero, Romero. <laughs> but I mean, it's like after the eighth time of watching the Dream Team getting screwed, it's like okay, I get it. You're heating up Jay White. I get it. <laughs> I'm over it. 
But um, yeah, so this match here, um, Okada, Yano, Kushida against Jay White, uh, Fale, Ishimori. Thought it was good stuff here. Um, see some great interactions between Okada and Jay White, Ishimori and Kushida. Uh, really focusing on heating up those two title matches. Yeah, I thought those, exactly what you just said. Those were kind of the highlights of all this. Uh, that's one thing. Anytime Ishimori and Kushida have interacted, I'm like, oof. That's going to be fire. That's going to be a banger. And then the stuff with Jay White and um, Okada, it's still just very compelling. Very, very, very compelling. And I, I am excited for their match at the Tokyo Dome. Yeah, me too. Um, this match ended up with Yano and Fale as the last two in the ring. Yano um, countered the grenade into a backslide for a near fall. But then Fale was able to get back up and hit the grenade and got the pin on Yano gets the win for the Bullet Club team. Post-match, Bullet Club, uh, they go on the attack. Um, Jay White hits this nasty Cobra Clutch suplex on Okada. Dumps him right on his head. I loved that. Yes, it was beautiful, dude. That's, uh, that's the that's the suplex that Taz used to do a lot back in the day. Yeah, mm-hmm. But yeah, dude, Jay White, the Saido, that snaps Saido, and now this Cobra Clutch, uh, Cobra Clutch suplex looked great. Um, then also, um, as the beatdown was happening, we had Makabe, of all people, Very making the save. Uh, on commentary, Rocky Romero was saying the alliance is growing, uh, and that um, all time that time heals all wounds in regards to Makabe, because it was um, Chaos who they turned their back on Makabe to. What the, that's what formed Chaos was them leaving Makabe. Um, so yeah, we got we got Kushida helping out a Chaos team. We have Makabe now helping out the Chaos team. So we're starting to kind of see this new alliance of babyfaces that are coming together to stop um, Jay White's Bullet Club. It's the reverse Tazplex. Mm. That's what it is. It's very similar to uh, the Tiger Suplex '85, the one that Mizawa invented. But mm-hmm. this is specifically what yeah, because yeah, to when do. Taz he would hit it from the front. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I, and I've seen Taz hit this reverse Tazplex plenty of times. Yeah. Not so much in WWE. Um, right. Although I think he did hit Kurt Angle with it hit that first night at Royal Rumble. Royal Rumble, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you know who has a really, really good um, insight to some of the stuff that you're bringing up right now? Um, our good friend of the show, Amy at Phoenix NJPW. She has a look back at Great Bash Heels history and... Um, how that kind of plays into what's going on with the storyline with chaos and, you know, kind of like Seki gun interacting with one another during mm-hmm. the bullet club. If you are not as aware of, you know, some of the, the more recent, like more recent ancient history of like new Japan from like, you know, the mid two thousands to the late two thousands, you definitely want to check this out because there are some very nuanced things that are going on, especially what you were mentioning with Yano, with with uh, Makabe, and you know all that that that's playing into. Yeah. Um, what do you think about? I mean, a year ago we were having fights, you and I, about whether Chaos were truly heels or truly faces, <laughs> and or uh, tweeners. Yeah. And I think it's becoming pretty apparent now that they are literally full face. Yeah. What do you think? this means for them uh, with their interactions with all these Taguchi Japan slash Sakigun guys? Who knows? I mean, I think 2019, we're going to continue to see a shakeup in some of the factions. 
Um, and I think chaos will be shaken up, and it might be a case where um, they they bring in a guy like Makabe, Kushida, maybe you know Takuchi Japan folds into chaos, or maybe for some reason, who knows, maybe Ishii or Yano, maybe some of these guys that kind of break off and do their own thing as they bring in some of these new guys like Makabe and Kushida, maybe a Toa Hinare gets slid in there. Um, so who knows? I think there's definitely going to be some kind of shakeup next year. I agree. Um, well, I don't know if I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I just I don't know what it means. Do you think that it weakens chaos in any way? I don't think so. Um, I all those guys are, are they work great as baby faces. I mean, majority of the guys in chaos are all great wrestlers and are capable of having great matches no matter who you put them in the ring against. And I think. Majority of those guys, they can't. They can work both heel or babyface, but I, I think they all excel in babyface role. Um, Okada, he doesn't. Ba- he does great in a babyface role. Uh, we've seen him like against like guys like uh, Suzuki in that kind of babyface role. Um, Ishii is great in a babyface role. Um, Goto can be good in a babyface role. Um, I guess. I guess my concern is with them having a defined in group. You know what I mean. Like we are chaos. This is this is who we roll with. This is our deal. And then suddenly you start seeing them team and interact with Kushida, mm-hmm. Tanahashi, Makabe, and that kind. Of, I mean, those are the three main guys that comprise. Even though it's Takuchi Japan, like those are the main pillars of Sekigun. Um, Unless, I mean, unless you just see them completely drop the chaos banner. That's what I'm wondering. I'm, wondering, they, if it, I'm they, wondering if it ends chaos. And they become like a defender of just New Japan. They're all Sekigun. Yeah, I'm wondering yeah. if something like that could potentially happen. I, I'm not like criticizing it. I'm just wondering if that's a route that they're going. Yeah. Or, you know, we just never know. But it is, it's very, I mean, we've, we've never really seen this from chaos. In our, you know, obviously everything stems from um, Okada and Tanahashi teaming together. I know we got to move on, but I do want to mention this. So there's a lot of interest right now from fans of New Japan in the ongoing storyline with uh, Okada and Tanahashi. And I feel like last week we kind of touched on it, but we didn't like really like say what we thought all this was like leading to. And I think most of the, most of it for me is like, I'm just so focused on, Wrestle Kingdom and the Wrestle Kingdom main events and the grudge matches and stuff. And it, I think it's interesting how there's... It almost seems that there's a subsect of fans that are paying more attention to what's going on with Okada and Tanahashi as a team mm-hmm. than Tanahashi and Omega or Okada and Jay White. And it's interesting how that kind of... Um, you know, you sometimes you think like that these guys are done or whatever or their rivalry's done, but here we are in 20... 18 going into 2019 and for some of the fans it's the most compelling thing in the whole company is Tanahashi and Okada you know what this mm-hmm. means for them and their rivalry and what you know going forward I, I think that that's interesting and I just don't know what it I still don't know what it means and I, I know like you had mentioned that you think it's leading to like a big tag team match with yeah. them but I'm like wondering if it if it's leading to an actual partnership or a split and another chapter to their long, you know, rivalry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's definitely going to play somewhat in their rivalry. 
and I think we're going to get a big tag team match and eventually another one last big one-on-one match. That's what, that's how you see it? Yeah. I don't know, man. I just don't know because I'm like trying to figure out with how everything is playing out with Wrestle Kingdom, how things are going to continue between them. And I'm like, New Japan Cup is coming up, and then, you know, you got Dominion, and I'm just like, when when does this stuff play and out? Look, and don't forget, you got uh, the MSG show, um, New Beginnings coming up. Um, right. There's so many, you know, potential for what they can be doing. But I'm, like, more wondering, not so much about a match. Like, it, to me, it's not, like, what's going to happen. Like, are they going to compete in a match? Because I think they will have a tag team match. I'm more wondering, like, what does this partnership mean storyline-wise? You know right, what I mean? yeah. And I'm just like, I don't know. <laughs> well, speaking of Hiro- Hiroshi Tanahashi, he was in the next matchup. He was teaming with Juice Robinson and David Finley and Risuke Takuchi to take on the elite Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, and the villain Marty <laughs> Spurl. The Bullet Club elite. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so this was a another good matchup. It was kind of started off as a comedy match. There was a lot of the... Taguchi Japan um, spots the whole the third base coach gimmick, running into Taguchi's ass. Um, you had the elite kind of doing some of their comedy spots, you know, grabbing the both feet, you know, you put it down, you put it down kind of thing. And yeah. uh, it's kind of like the overselling of stuff, like with Kenny and Marty and the Bucks, what they do sometimes in the comedy matches. But after the comedy was over, this match kind of kicked into a, a, a faster gear and. There was some uh, solid action here. They got a lot of time at 13 minutes. It was mm-hmm. one of the longer uh, multi-man matches. Uh, I mean, if you look at the talent that was in this match, I mean, there's no way that this could have been anything but good, and it was good. Um, but to me, I didn't find it to be very compelling. And I thought that that was a little problematic, in my personal opinion, because... And, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I, I don't know. I was pretty delirious. I was pretty sick last night. <laughs> but... When Kenny and Tanahashi were interacting in those tag matches, uh, when was that? Uh, Road to Power Struggle? Yeah. Though that, that was great. Here, it didn't seem to have this... It didn't like land the same way for me. Am I wrong in that? Yeah, I mean... It almost like it wasn't like a huge focus in the match. No, it, like, it, like, didn't, it, it didn't feel like it was about them at all. Like It was, but it wasn't. Right. Like, like it was because you know they're facing each other, but it wasn't like they went out of their way to like really. I mean, they had some good interactions here, and like Tanahashi um, yeah. uh, showed he can counter the V trigger. Yes, um, <laughs> which kind of annoyed me a little bit. <laughs> oh my god, got got heat with me. You, you don't block the V trigger, pal. <laughs> you take that like a man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it wasn't like a heavy. Like I feel like the other previous multi man matches did a better job of emphasizing the rivalries within the match. And here, this was almost like it was just a match, you know? I did see a match uh, from 1986 on the WWE Network where it was Jake the Snake Roberts from the Boston Garden taking on Ricky Steamboat. And the the tale of the match was Ricky kept trying to chop Jake Roberts. So Jake would put his arms like this, like in a cross, like one forearm over the other forearm, and hold it up over his face. And every single time he tried to chop him, he would block it. <laughs> and I was like, that is so freaking brilliant. <laughs> like like he's a freaking pro boxer just like blocking chops. And um, I was like, what if someone tried to like block V-triggers like that, you know? And I, yeah. I had thought about that at the time. And I was like, 
do you think eventually, like, you could tell an awesome story of someone, like, trying to utilize their arms, then eventually, like, their guard getting broken. Broken, yeah. And then they can't, like, and then they're defenseless. Like, <laughs> yeah. That, that feels like such a, ta- like, a Hiroshi Tanahashi sort of story. And I'm wondering, like, once once we saw him, like, block that, I was like, yeah, you could do that once, but can you do that 30 times? <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> this man's going to bludgeon you, bro. Yeah, dude. He's going to break your arms. Uh, so the finish of this match came down to that V-trigger. Um, Kenny was able to finally hit the V-trigger on Tanahashi, which allowed the Young Bucks to hit the Indie Taker on Taguchi. So the Elite gets the win here, and uh, Kenny gets the momentum going into the Dome. Well, that's good. I'm glad he showed up. <laughs> oh, man. Um, next up, we had the number one contendership for the never open weight title. Will Ospreay returning from injury, taking on the former champion Taichi. So we got word that this match was happening the day before, was it? Yeah, like cause yeah, it was that that Friday. Later on the day after that, uh, day sixteen had dropped. Yeah, we're just like chilling, and then they're like, "Oh, by the way." Here's the full card. Here's the full card. Osprey and Taichi. Like we were gonna do a uh, a prediction column. Um, you know, we're trying to do one for every single uh, major show throughout the year. But like, dude, if you get like these guys keep dropping it like the day before. Like it's impossible. Yeah. Uh, trying to trying to reach out to my dogs Wilfred and Amy and um, Pearl Reservoir Road and like can't. Yeah, man. But, but this this uh, at the same time. I was very excited to see Will Ospreay return. Very yes, excited. And very excited that this was a number one contendership for the Never title. Because, you know, the whole... We've been wanting and dying for Ospreay versus Ibushi. And we know the original plans were for Ospreay to win the Never title from Taichi. And then have Ibushi challenge. Um, we don't know that. How do we know that? You've been talking to Gato? <laughs> I got sources. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, we know. Yeah. Uh, but that'd be some Fed Defense Squad, y'all know. <laughs> <laughs> some Fed Defense Squad sort yeah. of stuff, like man, just because Dave said it. <laughs> uh, but I mean, clearly, I mean, all signs are pointing that direction. Yeah, um, very clearly. Yeah, give me a bushy. But um, you know, Osprey had the rib injury, and so plans changed a little bit. They put the belt on Goto, and Osprey was able to be back in time for this number one contendership match. And we get the Osprey Tai Chi match here. And I have to say, this is probably one of Tai Chi's best match of this year. What? Okay, so. How do you. What do you I'm trying to f- figure out how I want to phrase this. So there's definitely people that love Tai Chi, right? Mm-hmm. Big, big, big fans. There are people that. I think it's a minor group, to be honest with you, and that's not a that's not a knock on you if you're a Tai Chi fan. But I don't think that that is the majority of fans. I think I, it, I think it's a vocal minority. I, I believe it's a vocal minority as well. I think it's a very a very um, passionate <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, group, though. They really like Tai Chi a lot. They were upset that he got this never run, and then now he's kind of getting slotted to be out of the Wrestle Kingdom, you know, 
title picture. Sideline. He's getting yeah, <laughs> sideline. <laughs> Wrestle Kingdom nine sideline. <laughs> Wrestle Kingdom ten sideline. <laughs> Wrestle Kingdom eleven, twelve, and thirteen sideline. <laughs> but Wrestle Kingdom fourteen, <laughs> Taichi, my time. <laughs> Get ready. Tai Chi's going to cut like the most fire promo ever, and he's going to just come back next year. So all you all you Tai Chi fans, just like you Naito fans, get ready. Next year is your year. Every year, next year is your year. <laughs> no, but um, what I was going to say was, uh, how do you think they should feel in this case? Do you feel like, if you're a Tai Chi fan, do you feel pissed that, you know, he's sidelined? Um... And that he lost to Will Ospreay, or do you feel fortunate that they at least had enough decency to pay it off in kayfabe and give him a number one contendership, and then he end, ends up having a, a great match but gets knocked out still? Like, which which side makes you more salty? Which you know, how should mm-hmm. you feel? I I feel like, and I I don't know, but I feel like Tai Chi fans are probably I, don't, I think they kind of feel. Bo- both ways, like they're happy that he got a you know a featured match here on this big show. Okay, but at the same time, they're probably going to be upset that he didn't win and he's not going to be featured at Wrestle Kingdom. I feel like, and maybe I'm being judgmental, but I feel like you can be nothing but pleased here because it's very unrealistic that he was actually going to uh, be in the never picture at Wrestle Kingdom, mm-hmm. given the type of talent that they have on this. Uh, roster that they're trying to slot so i feel like you could be nothing but happy with this because this did nothing but favors for him as a performer yeah I mean, like this was the one of the best performances he's ever had in his whole career and it yeah. was a great match yeah dude he was the ultimate heel in this match before the bell rang he attacked um osprey's injured ribs with the microphone stand and then he worked over the injured ribs the whole match and was just this Bully, uh, just a douchebag through this whole match and got simpy on Will Ospreay. Bro, you know why I love this match. Why? Selling. <laughs> Psychology. <laughs> Storytelling. <laughs> it was uh, great. And yeah, you know, a lot of people, all those Osprey haters say, oh, Osprey, all he does is flip and, you know, lay on his head, doesn't know how to sell. Dude, he watched this match, too. That man was selling like, I've never seen someone sell before, man. You know what, though? There are people who are like, 2018 Will Ospreay is different than, you know, back in the day. And I'm like, no, no, mother... <laughs> no. He was great in 2015. Right. He was great in 2016. This dude, I remember watching him and Kushida have a match at, um... It might have been Dominion 2015, where he sold his arm the whole freaking time. And he ended up having to do, like... All his flips with just one arm, and like I was like, this man's incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, he is a more solid and persi- uh, consistent performer now, though, and I mean, he's one of the best in the world. Like yeah. he's incredible, and I mean, yeah, he came in here. Who knows how badly injured his ribs actually still are? Like we don't even know. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he took us. He took Taichi to a a really really good match. Now I will say this. There are people who are acting like this is the greatest match of Taichi's career. I do feel like it's up there, but I also feel like if people who are saying that maybe haven't seen Taichi because I've seen him and Jushin Liger have really good matches. I've seen him and Taka Michinoku have really good matches. I saw him and Naito have a really, really good match this past year, and I didn't think that this like 
blew that Naito match out of the water or anything like that. It was about the I, same. I don't know. I think I, I like this match a little bit better than the Naito match. Right, a little bit better. Yeah. But people are acting like this is... They're acting like this dude has never had a good match in his whole life, and this is the first four-hour range match ever in his whole career, right. and everything else has been two stars, and and it's not true. Like t when, when, The thing with Taichi is when he wants to go, he can go. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes you get him and Goto. And that's why I hate Taichi so much. Like I, I'll acknowledge he can go sometimes, and but like for people act like he just is total trash, and he's not. Yeah, well, he just going in this match, and he's very vicious with a lot of his kicks and his strikes. Like, like I mentioned, just being like the ultimate bully here. This is just, what I'm gonna call big match Taichi. Yes, there we go. Yeah, yeah, big match Taichi. <laughs> he was great, and uh, yeah, him and and then um, I liked the fact that he was using his size against Will Ospreay quite mm -hmm. a bit. And like, kind of like telling the story with that, and just doing every heelish like dick thing that he could do to get over. Uh, highlight for me was when Osprey goes for the shooting star. Um, tai Chi gets the knees up into the injured ribs and pulls the Gato clutch for the near fall. Had me there. Every time he does the Gato Clutch, he gets me, bro. Right. Every time. And he did win some matches in the tag league with the Gato Clutch. So he he showed that it can win matches. And this was going down late in the match. Injured ribs. Pulled that Gato Clutch off. I was like. Yeah. And then as soon as uh, Osprey kicked out, he followed it up with a huge lariat. And I was like, oh, my God. And then he went for the last ride. And I was, like, starting to think, like, like. Oh my God! Is Osprey gonna lose? <laughs> I was like, maybe he's like still injured and like this is just like to blow it to off. Blow it off. Yeah. Um. But not so. No. Um. Yeah. He he fought out of the uh, the last ride. He ends up uh, getting the you know hits a destroyer on Taichi. Goes for the Stormbreaker. Uh, gets a Spanish Fly Super Kick Stormbreaker, and finally he defeats Taichi at 17 minutes and 20 seconds. Great, great, great match. Um, would you say match of the night? Yeah. 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 Really good stuff. And following that, we had the Never Openweight Championship match with the champion, Hiroki Goto, defending the title against the Golden Star, Kota Ibushi. And this was another great matchup here. Um, I will say... Um, I don't think this is the best Goto Ibushi match I've ever seen. Um, no. Um, I feel like the pace was... I felt like it was really slow compared to some of their previous matches. And I feel like the finish kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, I agree. Um, I thought it was still pretty good, though. Yeah, I mean, those are, those are the few criticisms I have. Overall, I still thought it was a good match. But here's the difference. It's about... Pretty close to this to the match that we saw before it. They're both in the near four star range ish yeah. area, but we're sitting here praising Taichi and Osprey because they over delivered, and we're, you're sitting here kind of criticizing Goto and Ibushi because it's Goto and Ibushi, and how is that not match of the night? Right. How is Osprey and Taichi better than Goto and, and Kota Ibushi? That's not like that shouldn't ever be the case. It's Goto and Ibushi. Um, this should be, this should be definitely over four stars. Like it should be close to four and a half, like minimum, like, like it should be a freaking war. And, um, I just, I thought it was good, but not great. Yeah. Um, and, uh, Bushi, he was, he had, uh, Kenny Omega out there in his corner in this big title match. Mm. 
um, there was a lot of great strikes Golden in this match. <laughs> um, Goto was kind of working over uh, the you know storied injured neck of Ibushi in this yeah. matchup. Um, a lot of uh, headbutts in this match. There was one part where like uh, Ibushi was like behind Goto and just like headbutted him like right in the back of the head. That was a pretty crazy spot and. Uh, Goto did like a, I guess you want to call it a comic Goye headbutt where he had Abushi's wrist yeah. Yeah, and like headbutted him. But then like Abushi kind of returned the favor to him, did the same thing later on in the match. Yeah, it, it did seem like exactly what you said. Like it was kind of plotting and things like that. And then towards the end, they just started really heating things up and hitting each other with all these big, like it was a bunch of awesome striking exchanges. And then the Kamigoye came out of nowhere. It was like knee strike, headbutt, Kamigoye, one, two, three, and you're. I was like, w- w- what? Yeah, like, like it happened, and I was like, wait. And they 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 wrestled a 17 minute match, so it's not like I'm complaining about the time, but you didn't have that feeling like this was going to be the end, and it did feel a little bit flat for me when, yeah. it, when it finally happened. Um, I was glad for Kotobushi. Um, you know, at first when I saw it, I was like, this is his first title win. And then I was like, except for, you know, all those junior titles. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and um, it, it is, but it, it, seem, it feels like it's been forever since he's held gold in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, you know, so, you know, had, that's great. Congratulations to him. But um, it, it does kind of suck for Goto. Yeah. It does kind of suck for Goto. Hiroki Goto, sidelined. Um, Post match, Will Osprey comes down to make the challenge. He says this is a dream match we've been waiting for, and challenges Abushi for a match at Wrestle Kingdom 13. Abushi smiles, gives him the handshake, and the match is official. Will Osprey versus Kota Abushi for the Never Open Weight Title, Wrestle Kingdom 13. I did see Striga on um, Twitter. He tweeted out uh, a response from Kota Ibushi in regards to this. And he's like, every time I watch Will, it's like I'm watching myself from 10 years ago. He's like, can I go back in time 10 years? Can I really face myself? And I'm like, why is this man always posting <laughs> these weird cryptic, like... like... Weird cryptic, like, poetic, yeah. like, deep, like, emotional... But I don't know if they really are, like, that <laughs> deep. They just sound weird. <laughs> Like that kid, that that kid in like high school who wanted to be like a poet, but he sucks at poetry, so he's trying to like wax philosophically, but he's really not that good at it. And I was just like, all right. <laughs> but um, I mean, I don't know. There, I've I've seen people that have criticized the build to this match because they're like, they kind of feel like the whole division just got uprooted. In favor for two guys that were not in the division whatsoever this entire year, mm-hmm. just so that it could be a showcase bout with the title on the line at Wrestle Kingdom, and I kind of emphasize, like I kind of empathize with that sentiment. But then there's this other part of me that's like, it's Ibushi and Osprey, exactly. and I've been waiting like four years for this to happen. Like ever since like they tease it and evolve all those years ago, like this has been supposed to have happened. So many times and it never has. And we saw a tease in New Orleans at that Rev Pro show and that uh, multi-man match they had. So yeah, man, we've been waiting for this for a long time and it's finally happening. Happening. Uh, we have a question from Twitter user, our buddy at LOP at at Sir underscore Samuel. Sir Samuel, what's up? We're supposed to be on his show, aren't we? At some uh, point. 
I think we're supposed to we're supposed to be on um, perfect ten. I think perfect but, ten. But um, Sir Sam should have us on too. Um, but he asked, "Put us over, brother." <laughs> <laughs> he asks, "What is the over under for the number of flips in the Abushi versus Osprey match?" I'm not good at gambling. Like I'm, I'm not a, a like gambling. what is the over under? I'm not a gambling man either. But I'll say this: um, I'm expecting uh, somewhere in the range of like thirty flips. Between offensive maneuvers and counters. I just, I think that this has every potential to be a match of the year contender. And I'm very, 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 I'm very excited. I have a lot of joy in my heart. All is right with the world. Yes, this is, this is New Japan's Christmas gift to us. Um, Speaking of which, though, before we move on, what do you, do you feel like this is a good move for the Never Division? Like, do you feel like this is a long-term thing? I feel this is thing? a great move for the Never Division because whether it's Ibushi or Osprey that gets a win, both of those guys are guys that are, they're both stars and they're both phenomenal wrestlers. So if the belt on either one of those guys going into 2019, I feel like we're guaranteed um, higher profile Never Matches. Uh, throughout the year, the Never title being treated um, more more of a higher priority in New Japan booking, and just it'll be more prestigious with these guys. You know, back in the day, it used to be the title that made the man, but I feel like nowadays it's the man that makes the title, and I feel like whether it's Osprey or Ibushi, they're going to elevate the profile of the Never Openweight title. I um, you know, I know people are very sensitive about. Hiroki Goto. Um, <laughs> very sensitive about him. Um, I think that, well, let's just, I'll just say this. This is probably the first year in four or five years where he, as of now, does not have a highlighted match. Um, he's probably going to be filling that multi man, six man tag role for the first time in years. I mean, almost every year he has a high profile multi man match. Or, I'm sorry, a uh, singles match, uh, usually based around, like, the Never or, like, the Ice. Like, he's always in that kind of range. Um, but these guys are bigger stars than him. Yeah. They're, they are. And there's a lot of people who talk about, you know, Goto and how much they love him and how undervalued he is. And some there is some truth to that. But then there's a lot of times where he craps the bed. And... As much as I love Goto as a performer and stuff, he's not of the same star level as these two guys. And these are not two guys that you could, you know, they're people who've complained about westernization, things like that. You really cannot say those things about Will Ospreay. You really can't say those things about Kota Ibushi because they're here. They're on every single tour. They're they're literally like New Japan guys at this point. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think you can criticize the booking of the Never Division, but... How what kind of heights have has the Never Division been to with Goto at the helm? He's been at the right. top of the I mean, division at, for look, two years. Look at this look at this past year. He has the awesome match with Suzuki at Wrestle Kingdom twelve and then the belt kind of dropped off after that. He's had a bunch of good matches this year. Like, don't get it twisted. Like he's had great matches. The problem is all the Matches that should have been great that he did not have. Right. You know, the, the matches with the Evils and the matches with the, you know, like, what was the dude from... Uh, Bear City Bruiser. Bear City Bruiser. Like, 
you know, as he had some very good G1 matches, but he had some very mediocre G1 matches, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And um, this just does not seem like a hungry guy to me. Yeah. I you know feel, what I mean? I feel like he's very complacent. Like That's he, what I feel yeah. like. I feel like he's complacent. I feel like he knows when he could turn on for what he does, but there's a reason why Ishii is featured in a major singles feud for the first time in all these years, and Goto's not. Yeah. I'm just going to say that. So, yeah, and anyone who's like, well, they uprooted the, the you know, the, the never title, the never division. These guys weren't even part of this. And it's like, well, it wasn't that great with Goto at top. Right. It's been two years. It's time for something different. So I'm excited about this. Yeah, me too. Uh, before we go on to the last match, there was a question I missed about from, about Marty Skrull from our buddy uh, Ben Schaefer, a.k.a. Jimmy Flips. Jimmy Flips. He says... Flip. Flip, Jimmy Flips. <laughs> man, that would have been a great team. Jimmy Flips and Flip Gordon. Oh, man. would be the flippiest of the flippiest tag team. Yeah. What would what, what would the under over be for Flips with that tag team? Oh, man. Every they, match. Yeah. They'd be like, what, like 50, 50 Flips per match? Uh, so he, uh, he said, uh, Marty is leaving the elite to sign with WWE. Changed my mind. Why is he saying that? I don't know, but he wants us to change his mind and to thinking that Marty is leaving. I've been reading some like reports that that is kind of the case, but I mean, is there something that that people know that we don't know? The only thing I can really think about um, his girlfriend, Diana Perazzo, is currently under NXT contract. Potentially, he wants maybe he wants to you know be in the same company as her. Um, that's the only thing I can think of right now. I mean, I'd. I'd want to be in the same company as Diana <laughs> Oh, man. For Diana, I'd risk it all. <laughs> but, um, no, I mean... Yeah, I mean, he, he, he signed the Ring of Honor extension. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. He just he signed an extension. He's going to be with them for an, an additional six months through June, basically. Right, and by the time that... Um, I'm sure, I mean, All Elite Wrestling is probably going to be announced January 1st from the teasers that we've been seeing and being the Elite, so... I would assume, you know, all Elite Wrestling will probably be up and running by the time his Ring of Honor contract is done. So I always have felt to some extent that Marty was one of the few guys that kind of how do I put it? So Marty Ah man, how do I put this? Okay. When you think about the elite, the top top guys of the elite, it's always the Bucks, Cody, and and Omega. But arguably, Marty Skrull, maybe not so much lately, but for a long time on the independent scene, Marty was just as big of a star, if not bigger. I mean, look how many, look at the film club, like t-shirt sales and things like that. And he was already a big, big star before he joined the Bullet Club. You know what I mean? Like right. He didn't need the Bullet Club to get over, but they definitely helped raise him to new heights. He has this whole gimmick. like He's a single star already on his own. And he's kind of an established guy. So, yeah, if he did go to... I wouldn't be surprised if he went to WWE. Um, but I don't think it's, like, an open and shut thing the way that, like, you know, Ben's making it sound like. Yeah. It could be. I mean, I, I have a hard time really seeing him leaving the Elite right now. But, it, but you know, it's not like All In was Marty <clears throat> and them all doing it together. It was, it was, from what we understand, it was the Bucks and Cody and... Right, pretty much yeah. the Bucks and Cody and some somewhat Omega, like those are the guys that kind of make the shots. Like it, Marty is kind of an extended guy, kind of like the same way that Hangman is. The only thing is, is like he's not 
a lower level guy the way Hangman is. He was already big on his own before he joined. Right. So yeah, I could see him like he has his own brand. I could see him branching off doing his own thing. But I mean, if you hey Ben, if you know something that we don't know about him going, I mean, we're in Tampa. If you've got connections, if you've been talking to some of the people over there at Full Sail, you know something <laughs> I don't know. Let us know. Yeah. Uh, so then we move on to the main event of the evening, the World Tag League 2018 final matchup to determine the World Tag League 2018 champions. We have the current IWGP heavyweight tag team champions and two-thirds of the uh, never-open six-man tag champions, Tama Tonga Tangaloa, representing Bullet Club. Taking on Evil and Sonata from Los Ingobernables de Japón. A rematch of last year's World Tag League Finals. And like we mentioned earlier, a rematch of a match that we had earlier on in the tournament. I think they wrestled the first night, didn't they? Yeah, I believe so. So what do you think about this one? I thought it was good. Um, I've seen a lot of criticisms about it. I thought it was good. Um, They wrestled for 27 minutes. Just a long match. Yeah. I felt like the, the, it could, the match could have been a little bit shorter. Yeah, I agree. Um, I agree. I also, though, at the same time, I really didn't dig their match from last year. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like this was an improvement over that match, honestly. Although I didn't think that this match was better than the night that the, the first match they had on night one, which was shorter and with had a lot less drama and consequences behind it um which kind of is a little bit of a letdown because it's like we (laughs) we watched 17 nights to build towards this and this is the finals of like a big you know a big 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 tournament and i don't know man it's just it kind of left me lacking a little bit yeah but at the same time, the, the the drama at the end of the match was great. Like, yeah, they did a great job. It was get, Sonata. Yeah, getting heat on Sonata, um, really working him down, and he's a star man. Keeping Evil out of the mix and trying to get the pinfall on Sonata. That was some good stuff. Yeah, having Sonata play Ricky Morton in this match was was a great call. But then, like, Sonata just whenever he wants to, when he turns it on, like he just really is great, man. He's so great. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, towards the end of this match, you know, he, he was able to fight off the magic killer. But then he got hit with the kendo stick from Giotto. Uh, Tango gets an air fall with a cradle. Then they end up hitting the magic killer on him, but Evil makes a save. But then they get rid of Evil and they continue the double team on Sonata. They look for the super, uh, the G.O.D. super powerbomb. Which I love, by the way. Uh, That's like my favorite tag team move right now. Yeah. That super powerbomb is awesome. And uh, but Sonata countered it into a Rana. Uh, that was a great moment. Yeah, that was too. I thought they were gonna hit it. I thought they were gonna hit it, and I, and I was like, oh god. <laughs> <laughs> but then uh, Evil reversed uh, and hit that Rana on uh, Tangaloa, uh, and then Evil comes back in to make the save, and they look for the Magic Killer. But then Retchus gets bumped. Jado comes in and tries to interfere. They hit the Magic Killer on Jado. Uh, Sonata gets a skull in on uh, Tonga Loa, uh, or Tonga, excuse me. Then Loa makes a save. Then Evil hits him with everything is evil. They hit the magic killer, uh, but Tonga kicks out a two. Then we get Darkness Falls on Tonga, and Sonata hits the moonsault, and they get the win off of that. 
and Evo and Sonata are your 2018 World Tag League winners. Back-to-back wins for them. They won the, the tournament again, uh, also last year. So these guys win again. They get their World Tag League trophies. They're cutting their post-match promo and challenging G.O.D. Uh, for Wrestle Kingdom. But then, um, as most people expected, the Young Bucks arrive on the scene and said, like, you know, they might have missed this World Tag League tour, but they've been on a 15-year long tour, 15 years of hard work. They talk about how they beat LIJ for the tag team titles and how they never got their uh, rematch from uh, losing to G.O.D. And they wanted to hop L.I.J. in line and get a shot the tag titles at Wrestle Kingdom. But then L.I.J. suggests that it should be a triple threat. And we now know that it's officially a triple threat for the tag titles. G.O.D. will defend against L.I.J. and the Young Bucks. So a couple things. Um, when Sonata had um, Tamatanga in the skull end, I thought he was going to win with that. And I was like, oh my god, <laughs> not only are they going to win, but he's going to tap out Tamatanga. Um, they didn't go that way, but for, they had me believe in, in that near fall for a moment there. Um, I saw a lot of criticism. We'll, we'll talk about this post-match angle here in just a moment, but I want to get your take on this. I saw a lot of criticism about the quality of the main event kind of falling on G.O.D. and maybe them not being so compelling as main eventers. Um, what's your feelings towards that? Yeah, you know, I I, I think it does fall on G.O.D. Um, Ooh. Because Evil and Sonata, I mean, I feel like those guys have proved that they can hang in the main event uh, more so in a singles role than a tag role, but I still feel as a tag team... Well, think, uh, think about all the tag team main events they did this whole tour. And right, I mean... were great matches. Yeah, a lot of their main events are great. The, the crowd is hot for all the matches. They're super over. And the thing with uh, G.O.D., I mean, Tama Tonga is, is very good in a tag role. Um, I, I honestly think the weak link in that team is T- uh, Tangaloa. Yeah. Um, Doesn't he, it somewhat feel, though, like, um, as great as they both can be in their roles, G.O.D., that when it comes to these big main event style matches that they just, in most cases, tend to not deliver. Yeah. And then, like, yes, you can point to, like, the match they had with the Bucks this year that was very good or their Tag League finals match against uh, Makabe and Hanma from a couple years ago. But it's like, what, are we going to get a performance like that, you know, once every two years? But they keep getting these big match spots. And, I mean, this is the second year in a row where they've headlined this show and you kind of expect for them to step up and it's it's underwhelming. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know what, what to do with G.O.D. And and from a kayfabe sense, they've never been stronger. You're right, yeah. This is the best they've ever been. But from a performance standpoint, I'm just kind of like, eh, I don't know. I um, mean, I will say, as a team, they are way better than when they first debuted as a team. Oh, yeah, when when they first started, it was abysmal. It, it was horrible. But um, I think this is one of those things, like, uh, Loa needs a little bit more experience. Sometimes I just feel like they're not main event like level guys. Yeah, like they have really really good preliminary tag matches, but when you put when you put them in the, in like the top headlining spot, it's like very very rarely do they deliver unless they have the perfect guys to kind of take them to that. You know. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, 
What did you think about the internet exploding over the Young Bucks coming out and trying to? <laughs> well, I mean, a, a lot of like pe- Twitter, Twitter freaking yeah. blew up. Like people were freaking out. Well, I mean, a lot of people, a lot of podcasters and news reporters already were kind of saying they ex- highly expected the Young Bucks to insert themselves. I mean, I mean, I've been saying it. We we talked about it on we this show. Yeah. Time. Um, I mean, we knew the Young Bucks were working the Dome, and it's like, where do you stick them? Like, do you stick them in the, the six-man, or you stick them in the tag title match? And I think, you know, it, it makes more sense to, for them to be in the heavyweight tag title match. And yes, it does kind of suck that we sat through this 17-night tour to uh, end up uh, with another triple threat. Like, we sat through two tag team tournaments to end up with two tag triple threat matches with the junior team. Uh, junior tag team tournament and now this tournament uh, but again I mean it's the Young Bucks and like I can't really complain by adding the Young Bucks to a match they are phenomenal wrestlers they never have bad pay-per-view matches they're going to make this match better than it probably was going to be with just LIJ and G.O.D. again so yeah, um, yeah you're absolutely right about that because I mean if you think about it we just saw them wrestle twice in the same tournament this would have been the third time and it's not like we haven't seen them wrestle many, many times. So you're absolutely right about that. Now, one thing I did not like, I didn't like Matt Jackson's uh, promo. Like, how he tried to explain it away. Like, he's like, oh, the Young Bucks didn't show up on World Tag League. Well, never mind that we've been on a never-ending 15-year tour. And I'm like, but that's not true. You know, yeah. it's not true. Yes, they maybe never have taken that prolonged break like they are now. So that part is true. But to say that they've never taken a break, it's not true. And maybe that sounds careless. And it's like, it's hard for someone who's not on the road doing this, you know, it, living in this industry to say that. But then I feel like the reason why why I'm pointing that out, because all the other wrestlers are on never-ending 15-year tours as well. Right. They just don't happen to have been as successful as you guys to be able to take a prolonged break the way you guys are. Like, you think, like, you think all the other guys in that tag league, like, wouldn't love to take the month off and not be, you know, traveling in the freaking dead of winter (laughs) in in Japan and, like, you know, away from their families and homes. And it's, like, it's, it's a double standard basically saying, like, oh... We're the best tag team, so we get to, you know, bypass everybody. Like, it doesn't do it for me. Yeah. Like, it really doesn't. Like, it, I don't feel – I feel like, to me, that almost comes off as, like, a heelish promo. Like, like you're entitled, like, and, be, and like, trying to explain away why you didn't do the baby face thing and earn it. Right. Like, I, I feel like you could try to sit there and try to explain it that away that way, but – I mean, how did that how did that sit with you when you were li- sitting there listening to that promo? Yeah, you know, to me, it, it didn't really bother me too much. I mean, they had to, to say something. I mean, this was happening. They had to they had to try and come up with some kind of explanation. And I think going into this match, ultimately, they want Evil and Sonata to be the big baby faces. So even if the Young Bucks come off kind of heelish, um, I think it's not that big of a deal for them because they want Evil and Sonata to be the heroes here. So I I'm I know we're we're gonna do our official predictions later on and preview, but I do think Lij for me right now are, are the favorites going into that match to win the titles. I didn't like 
I didn't like that moment um, because I don't think you're supposed to like it either. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, you're, yeah. you're not supposed to um, like what they did, I guess. It just came off very, like, heelish to me. Mm-hmm. But then um, by the time, like, by the time that uh, Evil and Sonata got a chance to, like, get the confetti over them and everything, all that other bullcrap had already happened, and it kind of took the wind out of their sails. So then it's like, yay. You, like, people that were saying, like, this makes it feel like they like it undervalues the tournament, mm-hmm. I absolutely think it feels like that. Because by the end of the night, the guys that won the whole entire tournament, which, I mean, how many points did they win? Nine. Uh, 18, 19? Uh, 20 points. 20 points. So they won 10 matches out of 13. Like, that's almost unprecedented. Uh, 20 points and then they won another match. So basically they went 11 and 3 in the tournament. Mm. I mean, for a company that doesn't even focus on tag team wrestling and then you have this tag team go, you know, 11 and 3, it's almost unheard of. It should be a really, 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 really big deal, and it should be, like, lauded the same way the G1 is lauded. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine if at the end of the G1 someone came out and was like, I know you're getting a title shot at Wrestle Kingdom, but, like, imagine, bro, imagine if freaking Okada had come out at the end of, and this is just coming to me, what if Okada had come out at the end of, of the G1 and been like, Tanahashi, I know you just won this. But never mind that. But I never, <laughs> but I never got my title rematch, so bump that. I'm skipping ahead. Yeah. And it's like, what are you doing, dude? They're giving him the trophy and like they're going to rain the confetti on him. And it's like, no, let's do a triple threat match at King of Pro Wrestling. And it's like, what? Yeah. Uh, that's kind of how it came off to me. And it didn't... I understand why they're doing it, and I understand how people can be like, oh, well, it's going to make the match better. But it didn't make me, as a fan of New Japan, more excited to see it. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's a way to make you excited about a triple threat match, and it's not like, whoa, 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 hold up, guys. You guys won a tournament. You suck, though. We're better than you. We're skipping <laughs> you. Like, that's not compelling to me. Yeah. That's just my take. It's not compelling to me. I think it's, it's just one of those things where, like, they, they couldn't put the bucks in the tournament. It's like, what you know, else? You know what would have been better? Hmm. If they freaking jumped them. Yeah. If they would have, like, freaking came out and jumped him and, like, gone full-blown hill and, like, got heat, I probably would have been more into that. Well, but, uh, well, I don't th- the thing is, I don't think they want them to be full-on heels is a problem. I'm not saying that that's the direction they should go, but I'm just saying, like, something like that would have yeah. been better to me. This was just, like, really crappy. Like, it just felt very meta. Like, oh, well, we, we got to be home with our families because we've been on a 15-year tour, but we're still the best. And it's like, you didn't show up on the tour, man. Yeah. And it's like, cool. I, I understand how talented they are, and everyone. There probably are people who are excited about it, but like me, as a like, if I'm a casual viewer and I don't know the Young Bucks, mm-hmm. and I'm just watching this unfold, I'm not excited about it. It's like, wait, why did they, why did they skip him? Why did I watch 17 nights of World Tag League? Yeah, it, but it, but it to be fair, league. if you're a casual fan, you're probably not watching 17 nights of the World Tag League. Or what if you're just trying to get into New Japan? Yeah, like what if you just started trying to get into New Japan just now and you see these guys? Evil and Sonata, and like they did this monumental thing, but then this other team shows up, and they're like, "Hey, that's cool. Congratulations on your little tournament win, but we're skipping you." It's like, what? Yeah, that sucks. I don't know. I guess, I guess I'm too big of a Young Bucks fan, and I just know how much greater they're gonna make the match being it for me to kind of be upset about that whole angle. I just don't think it's enough for me, like, to just be excited about like 
hey, they're great performers, and so that's great because there's plenty of great performers who, like, they're great. Like, everybody's great in New Japan. It's not enough for that. Like, there, there needs to be cohesive storytelling. I guess you could say, like, it makes sense in theory, but it's... It makes it does make me as a fan feel like, well, why did I just watch this tag league? Right. So it's like you're sacrificing this whole tour for one match to appease one group of people. That's what I feel like. And it does make me feel like, why did we do, why did you and I just do three weeks of shows about a world tag league when it doesn't matter now? It makes me feel like we've wasted our time. We're wasting the people who are listening to us time so that we can get this cool match with the Young Bucks. That sucks. Well, I mean, I guess for me, like, I, I knew from day one that there was a, a high potential of some kind of Young Bucks coming in here and calling their shot. Yes, it does suck that we had to watch a whole tournament to set up a triple threat match, but... I say either they should have been on the tour mm-hmm. or there should have been a better build. Not, I mean... I feel like the, I feel like not only is it, I'm not, I'm fine with them being in the match. I'm not even complaining about that. But I, this is the laziest way you could possibly do it. It's literally the laziest way. Hey guys, we're here. Point to the W. Point to the WrestleMania sign. <laughs> you get a title shot. That sucks. It's but, not good. It's not good at all. It sucks. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I can't praise it, but overall, I I do think it's going to be a better match and. After they putting out trash we gonna rip into bits. <laughs> I feel like January fourth, after we watch Wrestle Kingdom, we'd be like, Wow, that tag match was really good and it was I'm glad that they were in the match and we didn't have to sit through another G O D L I J match. Maybe, but at the same time it's like Wrestle Kingdom, everyone kinda delivers. I feel like G O D and them at a lower level on the cart probably still put on a good match either way. Like I don't think that I also don't think it's gonna be a blow away match either. I mean how much time are they really gonna get? It's probably gonna be bro, it's gonna be a twelve minute match, ten minute match most likely, and it's. Mm, I don't know about that. You think so, dude? They the Wrestle Kingdom card overall looks a little bit more trimmed up than usual. Uh, I I do think this tag title match is gonna get some emphasis on it. It might it might not be you know a thirty minute or it, it it might probably go maybe maybe fifteen maybe twenty. But I think they're going to get some time. If, if it's four stars or greater, then I'll shut my mouth and I'll say, you know, screw the World Tag League. The World Tag League's not important and the Bucks are more important than the Tag League. Uh, but if it's anything less than four stars, it's just like it's wa- this whole thing was a waste of our time. Yeah. Well, I'll and, I, and I don't think as a triple threat it's going to deliver like that. I really don't. I mean, I've seen the Young Bucks in a lot of triple threat tag matches in a lot of pay-per-view matches. I don't think I've seen a less than four-star Young Bucks pay-per-view match this year. Yeah, that's probably true. Um, But still, with it being G.O.D. and L.I.J. and them, I just don't see that being, like, blow away. I'm not saying it's going to be four and a half, five stars, but... I, I'll be very surprised if it, if they get a four-star match out of a triple threat like that, especially with, again, not having a great build. Like, again, that's another part to it, too, is, like, you know, to have a really great match, you want to have a really great build, and I don't know how much people are going to care about this when it when the time comes. Mm-hmm. That's just what I feel like, and I feel like, yeah, it kind of sucks. All right, well, let's move on and kind of give our final grades to all the teams that participated 
in the World Tag League. Do you want to start from the top or you want to start from the bottom? Started from the bottom, now we're here. Yeah, well, let's just start at the bottom. All right, so we have Ayato, Yoshida, and Shota Umino. They finished the tournament with zero wins and 13 losses, zero points. What is your grade for these guys? I am going to give Yoshida and Umino a solid C. Um, I'm not going to go higher because they didn't do anything that exceeded my expectations. They, at no point... Failed my expectations. They came in there and did exactly what was expected of them. They got, you know, valuable experience working with very experienced veterans in a new setting all all throughout the tour. They made the guys that were above them look great. And they were great. They, they, they had a ton of hope spots. I mean, they did the prototypical young lion tag match that you would expect out of them. Um, no wins. And I thought they were just perfectly adequate. Yeah, I'm giving them the same grade, a C as well. Like you mentioned, I mean, it was pretty much the Young Lion match, uh, the prototypical Young Lion match every night with the Young Lions trying to fire up and beat the more experienced guys, but eventually just being overpowered and outmatched and outskilled um, and eventually just being taken down every night. So like you said, they, you know, they, there was no surprise win. They didn't really do anything over and beyond. But at the same time, they're also very solid, so C for me as well. And I, I think I enjoy the little storyline that's coming out of this that you mentioned, that these guys teamed together for 13 matches and never got a – they didn't pick up a single win. So it kind of – because they're storied rivals at this point, it kind of plays into, oh, well, they don't have the chemistry to mesh well to overcome the odds basically sort of thing. Yeah. Which is nice. So next up, uh, Yuji Nagata and Manobu Nakanishi – they finished the tournament with three wins, ten losses, six points overall. What's your grade for those guys? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get flamed. Um, well, I'll go first. I, I'm going to give these guys a D. Um, I do feel like they worked very. They worked the hardest they could. I mean, this man Nakanishi was no, no, out. No, 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 no. They did not work the hardest they could. Nakanishi works the hardest <laughs> he could. Uh, that man was out here doing planchas and you know trying to do high spots. Is it? Uh, it let, let's 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 ask the viewers. Is it pescado or is it plancha? Which is it? I don't know. I've heard it called both. Um, I've typically have always called it a plancha over a pescado. Me too. I like pescado is like new to me. I've never heard of that. I, I have heard the term pescado. I've heard it in like Impact before, and like I've heard it in some. Uh, Mexican uh, promotions before, but um, I've heard him, I've heard Plancha more than Pescado, but I've heard Pescado before. Uh, but yeah, this man uh, Nakanishi was out here doing Planchas and top rope cross bodies, and you know he, they worked hard. But at the end of the day, I mean they were they had no like great matches. There was no like you know memorable performances from this team. Um, I I would have to go D. Um, they were definitely. And guys, please don't bury us when I say this, but it's just a fact. They were the weakest team of the entire tournament from an in-ring standpoint. Uh, it was still not totally unbearable to have them in there or anything like that. But it kind of is telling that, in my opinion, they were the worst in-ring team in the same tournament where Suzuki and Iska were both on in the same tournament. Mm. Um, so I thought that that was interesting because in years past, you would have never said that sort of thing about these guys. Um, and we won't get into the whole debate, but I think it does play into what I said earlier that like Nakanishi is breaking down. It's becoming very apparent. He's very immobile. 
Um, but I did enjoy him in this tournament, and I enjoyed Nagata. Um, I didn't think that them that their the matches being kind of lackluster had anything to do with Nagata. If I'll say that, yeah. So I would have to go D. And but at the same time, they had a valuable p- placement in this tournament. And I mean that they put over ten teams. And I mean you need someone in there to make other teams look credible. So. Then we have Togi Makabe and Toa Hinare. Four wins, nine losses, eight points overall. What's the grade for these guys? Great Bash Hinare. C+. Plus. Mm. Um, I, I enjoyed Makabe in this tournament. I don't always enjoy Makabe, but I enjoyed Makabe in this tournament. Um, and I thought him and Hinare were just so much better than last year. And it's mainly because of the improvements of Hinare as a character, as an in-ring worker, I love Hidari right now. Like I'm, I, I he's one of my favorite guys, and just one year ago, he's one of my least favorite yeah. guys. Uh, for me, I'm I'm just going uh, flat C. Uh, honestly, uh, Makabe really didn't impress me that much in the tournament. I feel like he just he kind of did the typical Makabe matches when he was in there. Uh, Toa Hinari worked really hard. I thought Toa Hinari impressed me way more than. Makabe did any night, and I thought Toa was definitely the standout of that team. Uh, I I agree. I guess what I'm what I meant by that is, instead of getting long prolonged versions of the Makabe shtick, you got it peppered in. It was broken up by broken up, Toa. Yeah, yeah, and I thought that as a team they worked a lot better than they ever have in the past. So yeah. that's kind of why I liked it. And it was great. I mean, last year what they had like one win last year. They got one win last year. And now year. this year they got four wins, so the team is definitely improving. Um and it's it's one of those cases where I like to see them do better and better as long as Makabe can still go. I think it's the block though. Having a single block ensures that most teams are going to get more wins. I do wonder how they would perform in a very competitive, you know, split block tournament. Mm-hmm. I don't know that they get four four wins, um, you know, you know, in a in a tournament where they only have nine matches, you know, because that right. would be like a very impressive record versus, you know, four out of thirteen. Right. So next up, Hiroshi uh, Tenzan and Satoshi Kozima, Tenkoji. They had five wins, eight losses, ten points. What's what's your grade? Uh, I'm going to go C here for these guys. Um, Tenzan, you know, he he was looking kind of rough, but once again, I do feel like he worked really hard. Another guy who was out here hitting moonsaults multiple nights in this tournament. Um, Kojima looked really great coming off of the you know the, the knee surgery he had earlier this year. I thought he looked really good, and he was kind of the highlight of that team. And he actually, I mean. He was so good. I mean, he ended up, he was the guy that was taking the falls for this team, um, and I thought I thought he did a great job. And overall, they were not the worst team in the tournament, and they had some solid matches. So I'm going C. I'm going C plus. Um, I agree with all the sentiments that you just said, but they beat a lot of good teams in this tournament. So n- not only did they have a good like record, but they had solid wins over big teams that you wouldn't normally expect them to win. Um, which kind of keeps them viable if, let, like, let's say they do want to go to the well, you know, later in the year when things are down, you know, in the second half of the year, and they want a title challenger, they could draw on these guys. They beat, like, some of the top teams. So for that reason alone, and their performances, I got to go C+. 
All right. Next up, we have Hangman Page and Yujiro Takahashi <laughs> also finishing with five wins, eight losses, ten points. Can we give them two separate grades? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just playing. I actually don't want to bury Yujiro because I thought he was good in this tournament as well. Um, I thought they were very good, man. I thought they were very good. Um, I feel like I want to go B- minus on this team. Yeah, I was thinking, um, I'm not really doing pluses and minuses. I'm just, I'm thinking, like, if it's a flat B for these guys, uh, I think Hangman worked, I mean, Hangman always works hard and continues to improve, and Yujiro actually, you know, he stepped his game up as well this tournament. He was working really hard, um, and I think, you know, work, being with Hangman kind of motivated him, and they kind of gelled together as a team. I hope Hangman's in the New Japan Cup this year. Like, I really hope he's in there and has a good New Japan Cup because, like, he's one of the guys that I'm, like, so excited about this year. Um, I thought Yujiro, this is the best Yujiro's looked since the New Japan Cup last year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they, they were they were very good in this tournament. Yeah, I feel like they had a lot of three-and-a-half-star matches uh, throughout this tournament. So I'm going to go B-. B-. minus. All right, I'm going to flat B. Uh, next up, we have uh, Minoru Suzuki and Takashi Iska. Also with five wins, eight losses, Are we grading 10 on a points. curve for them? Because they're getting an A. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> for, like, this is one of the teams that like has over-delivered for expectations. Like, right. when, when you talk about expectations for what they deliver, I was literally expecting to give them an F. I'm not even going to lie about that. Right. It's like that, like, one kid in the class, like, who, like, never studies and always fails, like, ends up, like, <laughs> passing, like, the final exam with an A, so they, get, they end up getting, like, a C average to pass the whole class. Yeah, like, what's going on? <laughs> um, no, I, I gotta go C. I gotta give him a C because it wasn't like, if, I mean, if we're just being honest, that's how they, they, they had C performances most of the nights. Yeah. And which they, is great. Because last year they were definitely an F team. Oh yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. They were de- they're probably the worst team in the tournament last year. They're like one of the worst tag teams I've seen in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> that's not that's not hyperbole. I know they were terrible. Um, yeah, and they were really good this year. I'm also going to see with them. Um, they definitely over delivered. Um, they had some good matches. Iska wasn't completely terrible. Minoru Suzuki um, killed people, um, and so yeah. Way better than I expected. Way better. Next up, we have best friends, Trent and Chucky e. T. They ended a tournament with seven wins, six losses, 14 points. I will go B-. minus. Um, I am a little disappointed. I could even lower that, to be honest with you, but I'm not going to. Um, it's just that last year they were the MVPs of the tournament. In my opinion, to this day, I still think that all around they're probably the best in-ring tag team in the tournament. So I did have higher expectations, but they did something different this year with a compelling storyline versus just you know trying to get the act. Like last year was all about introducing the act to the New Japan audience, trying to get Chucky e. T over with the crowd, reestablishing Beretta and all that, and they, they did that. This year was all about the story of of what whatever the crap it is that's going on with Chucky e. T. Yeah, um, I'm going B for these guys. Um, they were one of the better teams in this tournament. They had some good matches. Uh, the whole Chucky e. T story was very interesting. Um, How many DQs did they have? Four. Yeah, like three or four. I think they had three during the actual tournament. 
Um, and that's six points that they threw away. How many points did they end up with? Fourteen. So literally, they could have been in the finals. They could have been in the finals. So he threw away willingly the three matches that were the difference makers for them being right on par with, um, you know, Lij, and they beat Lij or no 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 they beat God right, one uh, of the last nights. Yeah. So it's like they kind of showed you like they have the goods to go and to be champions and beat the champions, but. Kevin, I think Kevin Kelly calling the action was doing a great job talking about like Chucky e. T, as good as he is, he's becoming a liability for Trent. Mm-hmm. And this is the business of pro wrestling, and this guy's throwing away matches, and why is he doing this? We don't even yeah. know. Pile-driving referees. I think that was what, night 16 or 15, he, he hit that pile-driver on the referee. That was crazy. Did I miss that? I don't remember that. That must have been the night you didn't watch, uh, December 7th. He, uh, he hit a pile-driver on referee. Really? Yeah. <laughs> What did the IWGP commission have to say about this? Clearly nothing. He was on the finals on that eight-man tag. So. Yeah, I, I'm sick and tired of the IWGP commission <laughs> not having a more prominent role in New Japan. I want I want someone, like one of the liaisons from their board of directors to like start like saying stuff and making decisions and stuff. <laughs> but no, the, um, yeah, but I, I think that at the same time, this has been one of the most compelling things to come out of the whole tournament. So, yeah. I mean, it's the thing most people are talking about. Then we have Juice Robinson, David Finley. Also, oh, well, they have uh, they end the tournament with uh, eight wins and five losses with sixteen points. I will go C minus. Mm. I'm sorry, <laughs> that's too low. I'm at C plus. Okay. I just saw them just a smidge below B. I know that they had like good matches, but compared to some of the other like B performing teams, I didn't think like. I thought they were good, but I didn't think they were, like, killing it every night. For instance, I would just slightly rate them beneath, like, Yujiro and Hangman Page. Yeah, I'll, I'll go C-plus for these guys. Um, I mean, they're one of the units that... Um, I mean, they're good every night. They team normally, so you expect a little bit higher quality from them. Uh, I mean, they had they had solid matches, but nothing over the top, nothing that was super memorable. I never got to the point where I started like getting behind them and thinking like these guys are really gonna go all the way with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted there to be more cohesiveness as a tag team, and it, they were still kind of doing that finish where it was like the punch into the stunner, stunner into the um, into the pulp friction, yeah. which like is cool and stuff. And I mean. I don't know what's going on with Juice. He's gone full macho, man. (laughs) Which is yeah, oh yeah, yeah. um, Gonna face Dusty in the dome. Yeah, gonna drop the elbow on him, brother. Bro, did you have you seen um, Jake the Snake Roberts on um, on uh, the Joe Rogan podcast? No. Oh my god, bro! (laughs) Bro. Incredible interview. Incredible. Although there's one point where they started watching David Arquette in GCW and like Jake's breaking it down. He's like, he definitely got double crossed. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like Jake definitely thinks that he's not actually that far off, with, but he doesn't know what's going on. He's like, yeah, he was supposed to go over and they Dixie'd him. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but no, he, um, the reason I thought about this, he talks about the time when he had Damien bite Macho mm. and like, uh, he said that like Macho came into the arena and he's like, so I've been hearing some rumors, huh? Uh huh. And he's like, today's the day is what I'm hearing. He's like, yeah, yeah, Mach, yeah, I'm hearing. You know, he's like, I just got. But before we do anything, we gotta take care of some business. And he's like, okay. And he's like, 
I gotta know the snake <laughs> is it fixed <laughs> <laughs> he's like oh, what, do you, what do you mean is it fixed and he was like the poison has the poison been taken out of it and he's like yeah it's fixed Mach. like Randy it's, it's fixed he's like maybe it is maybe it isn't <laughs> <laughs> Dude, watch him, man. He's like, he's like, all I know is, we we get in that ring. He's like, that snake bites me. The venom starts coursing through my veins. Ah! He's like, next thing you know, he's the world heavyweight champion, and I'm laying down for the one, two, three. <laughs> and he's like, so I'm gonna need you to let the snake bite you. And he's like. <laughs> And like, bro, he made Jake the Snake Roberts pull down his pants and let the snake bite him and then like sit there for 10 minutes and not move to prove to him whether or not he was going to die. He's like, don't take any sort of antidotes, brother. (laughs) (laughs) He had to make sure he didn't take like any anti-venoms or anything. Oh my God. (laughs) Oh man. Yeah. You got to hear it, bro. It's so good. Dude, that's great. Um, Next up, (laughs) we have... um, Zack Sabre Jr. and Tai Chi, also with eight wins, five losses, 16 points. A. Wow. A, brother. A. They're the MVPs of this tournament. They had the best matches. Who in the world would have ever guessed that Tai Chi and Zack Sabre Jr. would have... Bro, A. A, A, A. All day. Uh, I'm going to go A minus. Um, Hipster, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, they they were the MVP of the tournament. They had the best matches. They had one of the best team finishers. That super kick into the Zack Driver, I thought was great. What's what's their tag team? Dangerous Techers. That's their tag team name. That's what that was. Yeah, I think that's uh, their. I think that's their. The, yeah, I'd have to look it up again, but I think that's their new tag team name is Dangerous Techers, and I love it, bro. Yeah, dude, they. I mean, I would have never guessed that Saber and Tai Chi would be a great team. No, on paper you'd have every reason in the world to believe that this would be a crap like like stylistically, character-wise, storylines. Like there's just so many reasons why this shouldn't work, but it just does, bro. Mm-hmm. It just bro, they were great. Like bro, Taichi was great on this tour. Zack Saber was great. That's all I can say. Like I have nothing but the highest praise for them. Yeah, and they had crazy they had what I thought was the best match of the tournament against I LIJ. Agree. I agree. Them, at, bro, Sabres and we, we, when we were on the Wilfred Watches podcast and he was like focusing so much on Suzuki and Sabre, I was kind of like in the back of my mind, like scratching my head. I was like, huh? Like, I know that that's an exciting thing, but I was like, they're not really, you know, like building towards this whole suzuki goon infighting sort of thing and i thought like we were focusing on it needlessly and now i'm like looking at wilford like he's a freaking genius <laughs> and we definitely need to get that war going i i know that like people are tired of like the faction wars but i'm i'm here for it all day if it's if it's gonna give me more saber and suzuki let's run it i don't care i need to see that match again because it was so good bro yeah it's great stuff yeah uh, next up, also with eight wins and five losses, 16 points, super strong team, Michael Elgin and Jeff Cobb. Very interesting. A team that started out slow and then by the end of it built a very nice little resume. Yeah, they went a little winning streak there towards the end. Very similar in that with uh, Cal- or with Hangman and Yujiro. 
where Hangman was definitely the B-side guy, the fall guy last year, and then it kind of flipped, and they kind of became like equals. That's how Cobb and Elgin were this year, because I wouldn't say Cobb was like the A guy or that Elgin was, but... But Elgin, they equally traded falls. They equally traded falls, and that's very that does tell you a lot about what they see in Cobb. I do think that they underperformed to last year's level. Mm-hmm. They had higher highs last year, and there was more intrigue with them as a team last year. And I I don't think they had as good as matches this year, personally. I don't. With that being said, I'm still giving them a B. Yeah, I'm giving them the B also. I thought they were good. Yeah. Next, we had Tomohiro Ishii and Toroyano. They ended the tournament with nine wins, four losses, 18 points. I will go B for Ishii and Yano. Um, I could, well, no, I'll go B plus, B plus, because they had a great record. They were right there towards the end, and they had some of the best matches in the tournament. Um, and they were just a very good unit. I mean, this just speaks to what we've been saying all year. Um, I do feel like we're one of the only podcasts out there that, like, a lot of times, a lot of the other, like, New Japan shows and people talk about how much they love, like, Ishii and how they really can't stomach the Yano stuff. Or if they do like the Yano stuff, they like it in one context, but as a tag team, they're not really feeling these guys or whatever. And that that's fine. That's – a lot of people have that opinion. But consistently, these guys have just – Yeah. I mean, I think they – Consistently, the most consistent – High-performing tag team in New Japan. Yeah, I think they're a great team. I'm also going to give them a B score. I mean, once again, they were one of those, another one of the teams that had, um, you know, um, some of the better matches in this tournament. You know, their match with Saber and Tai Chi, um, matches with like Lij and God. I mean, their match with Super Strong Team was really good. Yeah. Um, the only thing I would say about them that kind of bogged me down a little bit was that their matches, more so than some of the other teams, became very repetitive. Other, so everyone, I mean, it's a long tour, so everyone's going to have some repetitiveness, but their match was kind of the same. Same formula. Formula yeah. almost every night. Mm-hmm. But it's such a good formula that it's like, it's never not, it's never going to be not entertaining. Like, they have really good matches, so. Then next up, um, Killer Elite Squad, uh, Lance Archer, Dave Boy Smith Jr. They also ended the tournament with nine wins and four losses, 18 points. C plus, as good as they did in the tournament, and as much I don't have a lot to criticize about them. They just didn't seem for me to ever get over to that higher level. Like how many great Killer Elite Squad matches were there this year? Not many. I would say majority of the KES matches I probably rated somewhere three and a quarter, three and a half, three and yeah, a quarter. Yeah, the, the highest they probably hit was three and a half, but majority of their matches were like three stars, three and a quarter. I. I'm going. I mean, obviously, guys, I picked KES to win this whole thing. Um, I do feel like a fool because Jeremy had the vision this year, <laughs> and he accurately predicted God or uh, Lij winning the tournament for a second year in a row. It does seem so obvious because what else? What are they going to do? They obviously need to be in that tag team match at Wrestle Kingdom. But I was like, no, man, it's KES's year, and I was an idiot. But um, yeah, there's nothing bad about KES, but there was nothing super great, and they just they had a very the one thing though is they were dominant. Yeah. Every match they were dominant, and that's one of the reasons why I thought maybe this was gonna be their year because they just they go out there and they kill people. Like they're not out there having like classic matches; they're going out there annihilating guys. 
And the people that are beating them are surviving them. Yeah. <laughs> like, they're they're a very scary tag team to this day. And I do appreciate that about KES. But and I gotta say, I, I'm, I'm loving their, their theme song. Is that new? Um, I mean, everybody they, <laughs> I've been trying to find it to play at the end of the show, but I haven't been able to find it. I thought it was one of those things where it's always been their music and it's, and I just never noticed, but I've been liking it too. I, I mean, it, is it new? It, I think they got it somewhere like half point in the year. It's great. I, yeah. I really like that, that music too. Yeah. And like Archer like sings along with me. He's like, <laughs> yeah, he yeah, does a little thing there. But yeah, I like the theme a lot. So if anybody can find that, send it to me because I want to play on the show and just Throw it on my, my uh, iPhone, too, to run through my rotation of music. Uh, then, uh, next up, Gorillas of Destiny. Also, well, not also, but uh, they had uh, 10 wins, 3 losses, 20 points. Uh, G.O.D., I'm going to go B. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, or maybe I'll go B- minus for them. Um, but they were good. They were good throughout. They had some... They, they did... During the tournament, have some very very good matches. Um, they were very dominant throughout the whole tournament. Very entertaining, and um, they did a great job heating them up for Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, I go B minus. Um, yeah, I think they did, they did a great job heating them up. You know, they have Jado out there. Is that the, what I said? B minus. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they have the Master Heater Jado out there. Um, they were dominant champions throughout the tournament. They uh, got over that new that new uh, super power bomb. Super power bombs. Awesome. Yeah. So good stuff from G.O.D. And then last but not least, also in the tournament with 10 wins, 3 losses, the overall winners of the tournament uh, with 20 points, they defeated G.O.D. in the finals, Evil and Sonata. I will go A-. I think I'm just going to go flat A. Um, These guys, they were the main event of every tour. Uh, They were super hot, super over. Um, they had a lot of good matches throughout the tournament. So, yeah, good stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought that they were great. I thought that they were a uh, main event, you know, level team. Um, they drew most of the houses. Um, they were excellent, yeah. So, yeah, so that wraps up all the scores, all our scores for the tournament. Overall, World Tag League 2018, much better than World Tag League 27, 2017. We, we had nothing but positive things to say about it. It's just unfortunate that they undid all that positivity due to the Young Bucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But uh, if you want to know recommended matches to watch, um, if you follow me on the Grapple app, I have Ooh. rated every single tournament match um, all the star, all my star ratings are on the Grapple. You can find me at Jeremy L. Donovan. Uh, they are not paying us to promote Grapple. I think it's a cool app to keep uh, in track of star ratings. You can follow me on there and see um, how I'm rating these matches. Nice. Good, good plug, bro. <laughs> all right. So let's jump into the news. Yeah, absolutely. Wait, did we go through all the questions? No. Well, a lot of the questions are related to some of the news stories. Okay, gotcha. Um, well, first things first, this literally just popped up on my Twitter feed. So there, as of 48 minutes ago, there's a post from Tatsuya Naito. He has white face paint and then black, cro- or I'm sorry, blue cross printed like face paint on his lips and his eyes. Like... Kind of like the Jericho face paint, and um, uh, we tried to listen to this uh, to this just a moment ago, and we it's all in Japanese. So like, uh, 
Chris Charlton, do your thing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, get that translation. Someone give us this translation because I've got to know what's going on with Tetsuya Naito. But like, bro, are we getting like, are we getting two face painted warriors in the dome? I think we, we might be getting something. Yeah, bro, this this might be like his Kishin Liger. Oh my god. <laughs> Bro, I would love it if both guys show up and bro, you know me. Like I love face painted wrestlers. Yeah. Like all the best wrestlers <laughs> in the history of the world wore face paint. Gold Dust, the Blue Meanie, <laughs> Legion oh. of Doom, the Ultimate Warrior, the man called Sting, the missing link, all of them. Renegade, all of them. <laughs> oh my gosh. But yeah, definitely gonna be interesting to see what Naito is gonna be looking at uh, come Wrestle Kingdom. I yeah, this uh check it out on Twitter. It's on Tetsuya Naito's Twitter feed. If any of our listeners speak Japanese and can translate this. Let me know what this man is saying because I think he's like literally like, "Yo, Jericho, you're not going to show up. You're not going to build this crap. He, I'm going to pull Bray Wyatt and uh, build this feud by myself." Build this by myself. <laughs> oh man, sorry. Let's uh, dive into these news stories here. Yeah. So, um, starting at the top of the news, uh, I guess we got to talk about uh, the passing, the unfortunate news of the passing of Dynamite Kid um, and Larry Hennig. So, Dynamite Kid passed away this past week, uh, shortly after our show aired last week, and then Larry Hennig a few days later, um, which is, yeah, it's unfortunate, man. It's like every few weeks we get a new story of wrestlers dying all the time, all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, honestly, I, I'm not really too familiar. I mean, I'm not going to lie and say that I know everything about Dynamite Kid. Um, you know, I've seen uh, a few of his stuff with, like, Tiger Mask and some recommended stuff. But, you know, I, I was born in 89. Um, I By the time I was watching WWF, I think he was our WWF. Um, and I just never really took the time to go back and watch a lot of Dynamite stuff. But I've seen clips. I've seen some of the highlight stuff. And I know he um, was a phenomenal worker um, for that for that era he was in. And he was a heavy influence on a lot of wrestlers in the 90s and even some wrestlers today um, or still have some Dynamite Kid influence. Um, and so, you know, he might have been, you know, not a great person outside of the ring, um, but as far as in the ring, he, um, he was top-notch and, um, you know, made great contributions to the business. It, it is interesting when things like this happen because... How do you want to discuss somebody like this? There's the there's the side of you that someone passed away. You don't want to speak ill of someone who passed, and so you know sometimes people tend to sugarcoat and paint this only positive picture of somebody. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Then on the other side, there are people who want so badly for everybody to know that they don't support evil things. You know, and they go out of their way to let everybody know that they knew how terrible of a person someone was that, that died. I mean, any celebrity that passes away or something like that, you always seem to see people be like, oh, this person was terrible for this reason, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but with Dynamite, it is interesting because with him, you almost cannot talk about his legacy without acknowledging how horrible of a person he was because it's widely known and it is a part of the mythos of Dynamite Kid. Um, just listen to anybody that has talked about him over the past week. And I mean, it's actually as a journalist or as a content creator, it's irresponsible to not discuss it. Uh, it'd be like talking about say Chris Benoit only talking about how good of a wrestler he was and not mentioning the murder suicide. Like you literally could not do it. Right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's what it is like with dynamite. Um, 
as far as doing a, we're not going to do a full retrospect retrospective here. I don't think either of us are necessarily equipped to do that. Anyways, um, the observer did come out this past week and, um, you know, Dave did a great job there. He all, him and, um, Brian, both on observer live as well as, uh, wrestling observer radio, I thought did excellent jobs of recapping his career and giving a lot of the highlights. Um, I also listened to the voice of wrestling flagship show this past week and I thought that Rich Krejci and Joe Lanza were did a really, really, really good job. So yeah, I heard things. that as well. Yeah, I thought they did a great job. So if you want more retrospective or history on Dynamite Kid, highly recommend you check out those podcasts. Well, one thing I, I have noticed, a lot of people are talking about his time in WWF and his time with the Bulldogs and you know his career ongoings you know in Japan with New Japan as well as All Japan one thing i haven't seen a lot of people pimping or talking extensively about is his his work over in Europe they like people mention it like he worked in Europe but like that stuff is so accessible if you want to watch it it's all over youtube it's all over daily motion i know because i've watched it uh, he has excellent matches on there him and rollerball rocco him and um, also some of the Calgary stuff. Him and um, the stuff with him and Brett from Calgary is available. Stuff with him and Bad News Brown. Stuff his stuff in Portland you can find on um, from the early '80s, which is also excellent. Um, you can find there. But like, yeah, the, in from the English wrestling stuff, I think he's got matches with Rollerball. He's got stuff with uh, Davy Boy. Um, Dave Finley and him have a match that I've seen as well. I think he's got a good match with Jim Brakes. Like, he's got a lot of stuff. So, you know, people want to know, like, well, where can I find more of Dynamite Kid's work and and all that? I mean, the Portland stuff is very accessible. The Calgary stuff is very accessible. The stuff from Joint Promotions in the UK, very accessible. It's all there if you want to watch it. Like, it's it's kind of great. Um, it, But to say, like, he just had an influence on, like, 90s wrestlers and stuff, it goes so much far beyond that. He's one of the greatest innovators that has ever lived when it comes to modern pro wrestling. Some some for the bad, some for good. But when you are watching modern pro wrestling, you are literally watching a a style of working that's infused with him, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everybody works like Dynamite now. Before, nobody worked like Dynamite. And that is you know, his contribution to pro wrestling, for better or for worse. Um, he's one of my all-time favorite guys to watch wrestle, literally. Um, his stuff with Cobra, his stuff with Sayama. I mean, um, it is funny because now I do feel like people are going to say how great the Tiger Mask and Dynamite Kid matches are. But if you remember, and you can go back to the archives. Do you remember this, Jeremy? When we first got picked up by... Um, Per Resi Road, mm-hmm. and when, it was like the, when we first got picked up by them, and somehow it came. We were talking about this, and I was saying back then, way before Dyn- anyone thought Dynamite was going to pass or anything, that those matches are so at this point underrated, and everyone it's the hip thing to do now to talk about how terrible they are, how lacking in psychology they are, and high spots, and yeah, their spot fests, and that they are overrated and. Now I feel like it's going to be the hip thing to for everyone to go back. And I just want to say, I, I know I'm a little bit putting myself over, but I do want to say that like eight months ago on this show, I was telling people like, no, 
those matches freaking hold up. And if you don't think that they hold up, you don't know wrestling. Right, yeah. And now I feel like now that he's passed, everyone's going to talk about how great those matches were when all over the internet, all you see is people, people burying them. Burying yeah. those matches. And those matches are, to this day, incredible. Like, I still, I love those matches. But, um, yeah, man, and Dynamite Kid has a, his his book. Uh, I've never actually read it, but everybody that's ever read it says it's one of the best, like, wrestling autobiographies that are out there. Um, they they did a 10-bell salute this past week. Sayama did one, I believe, in Corkin. And then they did one before the... Uh, World Tag League Finals and um, Davy Boy uh, Junior was like crying and that was pretty sad. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Dynamite passed and you know the, the 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 unfortunate thing is like he wrestled a style that by the time he was thirty three he was done. Yeah, <laughs> and then unlike most of the other guys in the profession who had similar ailments, similar problems, they all. Like, he wrestled a style where basically he didn't care if he lived or died. But unfortunate for him, he continued to live. And he was confined to a wheelchair. And he spent the second half of his entire life bitter, alone, depressed, angry, violent, and in pain. Yeah. And his life is a cautionary tale for wrestlers. It really, really, really is. Um, I think that of almost any other wrestler that's out there, maybe it's not. A, it wouldn't be a great movie it could possibly be about the dark side of the business but there would be almost nobody more interesting and compelling to make a movie about than right there's there's a great story to tell there oh absolutely because he is a dynamic uh dark hero well i wouldn't even call him a dark hero he's like the anti-hero he's like a like like a walter white or something like that you know yeah um but yeah dynamite passed away on his 60th birthday um, and then conversely, Larry Hennig passed away. I actually don't know if Larry has any sort of connection to Japan or not, but, um, you know, father of uh, Kurt Angle, yeah. or I'm sorry, Kurt, Kurt, Hennig. Kurt Hennig. Mr. Perfect Kurt, Mr. Perfect Hennig. Kurt Hennig, grandfather of Curtis Axel. Huge, huge star during the Territory Days, huge star in the AW, AWA in the Minneapolis, Minnesota uh, area. I, I got to tell you, I've never seen a Larry Hennig match in my entire life. Neither have I. Um, and I, I mean, I watch a lot of old wrestling. I just never have seen anything with Larry the Axe Henning. But I, I know, you know, about him. But, I mean, I could not sit here and... The only thing I will say is that nobody has a bad thing to say about Larry Henning. Right. Like, there's very few guys in wrestling that nobody ever has anything bad to say about. But that's how that's how Larry and Kurt both were basically remembered as, like, two good guys of wrestling. Yeah, you didn't really hear much heat with those guys. No. Yeah. Um, so, you know, um, our condolences to the families of these wrestlers that passed. Um, with Dynamite, if you want to get... Uh, if you're on New Japan World, they posted some of his matches. I believe they posted um, all the all the known tele... or, you know, uh, videotaped matches with Dynamite Kid... or, I'm sorry, with uh, Tiger Mask 1... Not all of them, but most of them are up for free. The ones that are missing, I think there's one from 1982 that you can actually get on YouTube. Um, his match with from 1980 against Tatsumi Fujinami, which I believe is the best, might be the match of the year in all of wrestling in 1980, if you want my personal opinion. Um, by today's standards, probably like a four and a quarter to four and a half star fare still. Um, but at the time, it's like revolutionary. And I love that match. So if you've never seen it, if you've never seen 
junior style Fujinami like go out of your way and watch this match but to see junior style Fujinami go up against like in his prime like dynamite it is excellent and to some to some extent I almost wish that that match was the match that everyone in the world was watching versus the Tiger Mask Dynamite matches because that shooty style that they were doing I still love so much and I do wish that more people had been influenced by like workers like Fujinami from back then than maybe like Sayama and we wouldn't have so much flippy do stuff. <laughs> but um, but yeah, yeah, it is sad. I, I, I got to tell you, I was very sad when Dynamite died and I don't even know why because I know all the atrocious, a lot of the atrocious things he did and stuff. But like, I just, as a performer, I loved him. Yeah. Even though he's awful. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's get into this. So the road to Tokyo Dome, um, they announced two cards that are coming up here. Um, do we have those cards? Yes, we do. So both of these shows, are, they're happening this weekend, December 14th and 15th. They will be live on New Japan World. There will be English commentary available on December 14th. We have Hanma, Jushin Thunder Liger, Tiger Mask 4, and Kushida taking on the team of Toa Hanare, Ayato Yoshida, Ren Narita, and Yuya Yuromura. We have Shingo Takagi's first one-on-one match against Shota Umino. We have Hiroki Goto and Rocky Romero taking on Minoru Suzuki and Takashi Iska. We have Tomohiro Ishii, Sho and Yo against Taichi, Kanemaru, and Desperado. We have Naito, Evil, Sonata, and Bushi against Bad Luck Fale, Tamatanga, Tangaloa, and Taiji Ishimori. We have... Kazuchika Okada finally getting his hands on Gato one-on-one with Gato. Oh my god, I cannot wait <laughs> for that. The match that we net like everybody wanted, but you didn't know you wanted. <laughs> uh, and then the main event that evening will be Hiroshi Tanahashi, Will Ospreay, Togi Makabe, and Toru Yanu versus Kenny Omega, Kota Ibushi, Yujiro Takahashi, and Chase Owens. That should be fun. Then on the 15th, we have the return of K- K- Kanemitsu, Woo! who is uh, returning to action from suffering a cervical spine injury in 2016. Dude, they thought this dude was like maybe not going to walk again, maybe never wrestle again. And like, look at him, bro. Like, that's crazy. We've been we've been speculating if Kanemitsu is going to like make a return. It just seems so unlikely. And like, yeah. here we are. Here he is. That's Kane- crazy. Kanemitsu will be teaming with Narita to take on Yoshida and Umino. Then we have that's probably gonna be, that's gonna be very good, and be on the lookout for a fighting spirit moment of the year. Mm. Then we have uh, Liger, Tiger Mask Four, and Toa Hanare against Rocky Romero, Sho and Yo, Tomohiro Ishii and Hiroki Goto, that Chaos Dream Team, taking on Minoru Suzuki and Takashi Iska. That might be awesome. That yeah, dude, if Suzuki and Iska perform like they did in the tag league. This could be a pretty good match. Bro, Suzuki going up against Goto and Ishii, like, oh, man, that sounds awesome. Uh, then we have the World Tag League winners, Evil and Sonata, taking on Yujiro Takahashi and Chase Owens. Then we have Tetsuya Naito, Bushi, and Shingo Takagi taking on Taichi, Kanemaru, and Desperado. Then in the semi-main, we have Okada, Makabe, Yano, Hunma, and Kushida. Taking on Bad Luck Fale, Tamatanga, Tangaloa, Gato, and Taiji Ishimori. And the main event... Tell me uh, it's an elimination match. <laughs> I love elimination matches. I know matches. you do, but uh, there's no word on that's Over elimination. Over the top elimination, <laughs> f- 10-man tag. 
the main event of this evening, Hiroshi Tanahashi will team with Will Ospreay to take on the Golden Lovers, Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi. Take my money. Yes. Yeah. These are going to be some great Road 2 shows. Dude, next weekend is so stacked for wrestling. And if you're a fan of combat sports, like Canelo is fighting uh, Rocky Fielding on DAZN. Um, that's boxing. There's a Bellator card. There's two Bellator cards. There's a UFC. Um, there is MLW is making their live television debut. Um, I'm being sports. I'm sports. There's Ring of Honor Final Battle on which, Friday. Which looks like the show of the weekend, if you want yeah. my honest opinion. Um, yeah, I, like, I'm, a, I'm very excited for Final Battle. And then we got two um, Evolve cards, Evolve 117 and 118. That's right, I forgot about Darby that. Allen against Cassius Ono, Darby Allen against Roderick Strong. I forgot, those shows look excellent too. And then, obviously, the two uh, Road to Tokyo Dome shows, which are our last two stops before, you know... Wrestle Kingdom 13. Yeah. Um, holy crap, that's a lot. Like, there's no way we could watch all that. Like, I'm like, we got to watch this, obviously. But I'm like, what else do I watch? Because, yeah. like, I'm always watching combat sports. And I'm like, dang. Uh, it's going to be a stacked week weekend. Like, that is stacked. Mm-hmm. Um, Fight TV will be airing an internet pay-per-view of Wrestle Kingdom for $35. So if you want to watch that and you are not a New Japan uh, subscriber, New Japan World subscriber, you can order it on Fight TV. Or if you have Access TV, they're going to be showing it on tape delay later the same day. But they will only be showing the... Um, what is it? The top two matches, I believe, on that airing? Yeah, the Naito, Jericho, and Okada, Tanahashi. Um, there's also a wrestling festival on January 3rd at Shinkiba in Tokyo, a small venue. It's an all-day affair that starts at 10 p.m. on January 2nd, Eastern Time, with promos with most of the headliners and matches with guys on the roster who aren't featured on the Dome Show. It is similar to a WWE Fan Access event, ex- uh, except for the appearance of the top stars doing promos. Um, this is something that generally does get posted onto New Japan World. There's usually about two or three matches mm-hmm. featuring Young Lions, some of the New Japan dads in most cases. Um, so that's always fun. Um, for the New Year... Oh, fans- hold on, we skipped over the, the Wrestle Kingdom 13 card. Yes, Wrestle, the Wrestle Kingdom 13 card has dropped. Are we going to announce that right now? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah let's, we'll go. We won't give like our predictions or preview, but we'll just announce what's been announced this um, yesterday because we have a lot of questions about Wrestle Kingdom 13. Let's do it. Um, so this is the match order that was given um, for the pre-show. There will be a gauntlet match to determine the number one contenders for the Never Six Man Titles. Then we have Kota Ibushi versus Will Ospreay for the Never Open Weight Title. Kanemaru and Desperado versus Rapungi 3K versus Bushi and Shingo for the IWGP Junior Tag Team titles. Tomohiro Ishii versus Zack Sabre Jr. for the British Heavyweight title. G.O.D. versus Young Bucks versus L.I.J. for the Tag Team titles. Kota, Cody versus Juice Robinson for the U.S. title. <coughs> Excuse me. Kushida versus Taiji Ishimori for the IWGP Junior title. Kazushika Okada versus Jay White. Chris Jericho vs. Naito for the Intercontinental title, and Kenny Omega vs. Tanahashi for the IWGP title. Um, yeah, I think that Wrestle Kingdom <coughs> looks every bit as good as any any previous year, if not more so. Um, a lot of people are very concerned about the build to it. 
Um, some of those could be some valid concerns, but when it when everything is said and done and the chips are on the table and you look at this uh, show on paper, <laughs> yeah, uh, it looks like it has the potential to be the greatest show of all time. Yeah, dude, this is going to be an amazing card. Um, so we got a question here. <clears throat> You're all right? Yeah, dude, I don't know what's going on with my voice. Dude, my sickness is getting passed on to you. I've been fighting sickness all week, guys, and, or the last few weeks, and <clears throat> it's going around, man. Yeah, I think I'm starting to catch it. But uh, Zach Porter, he says, of the now-announced card for Wrestle Kingdom 13, which one match are you both most looking forward to? Forward to? He says, go ace. You're not supposed to try to, uh, <clears throat> to, you know, influence our votes there, Zach. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I will say this before we, we, we answer this question. I mean, almost every match on this card, at least every singles match, could be the answer to this. That's how good this all looks. But uh, what for you, Jeremy, like, what, what are you most, which one match are you most excited about? I think I'm most excited about um, Kota Ibushi and Will Ospreay. It's that dream match we've been waiting years for. We got that little that little taste in New Orleans um, this past year in April. So I'm really looking forward. I think that could tear the house down. And if this match is the opener on the main card, this could be the first Wrestle Kingdom that starts off with a five star match. Very possibly. Um, for me, <clears throat> I have to say, and I know it's cliche, but I've got to say Kenny Omega and Hiroshi Tanahashi. Um, it's just it's such a protected match. It's going to be in the main event. There's no way it's not going to deliver. These two guys, as much as they might dislike one another, they're going to deliver magic. And I can't imagine, even with Kota Bushi and, and um, Will Ospreay going up against one another, in that slot, on that night, with this story, I don't think anyone can outdo them. And I'm just waiting to see the fallout. Because it's going to be... I think worse than the Naito fallout last year, one way or the other. Whether it's Kenny going <clears throat> over or Tanahashi going over, the fan base is going to be split, and they're going to freaking freak out, and it's and it's going to be great. yeah, they're going to revolt. So I I'm very excited. Like this has a lot of like, you know, we we talked about like all these parallels with like Brett and Sean, and like you know Brett and Austin. This match is like starting to give me like some Survivor Series '97 sort of vibes. Like, <laughs> yeah, there's a very shooty element to this. So yes, I'm very excited for it. And yes, I agree. Go Ace. Uh, Howard Chilling wants to know how many titles realistically will change hands at Wrestle Kingdom. Realistically, Howard, every every single title could change hands. Realistically, Howard, none of the titles could change hands. <laughs> that is that's the beauty of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Yeah, and we'll be giving our official predictions in a couple weeks, so we won't drop that quite yet. Do you think I'm wrong in saying that? I think every, no, literally, every, literally every title. Literally, I think every title match on this card, it literally could go either way. Yeah, and literally, if no titles change, I really wouldn't actually be surprised. Mm-hmm. Um, question: Another question from Jimmy Flips. How do you feel about there not being a New Japan Rumble match to start the show? Gutted, deflated. You know who sh- who should be really de- uh, deflated is Cheeseburger. Oh, <laughs> this man got screwed again. This was going to be his year to win the Rumble. Do you, I wonder. Well, we don't know how many people are going to be in this gauntlet, and there is the potential that the gauntlet could be. I mean, they got a lot of time to fill, so I mean, the gauntlet's probably going to be bigger than the gauntlets of years past, mm-hmm. and this is probably going to be an opportunity for to get for them to get more people on the show, quote unquote. I wouldn't be surprised to see a cheeseburger, delirious, and 
you know, Colt Cabana, Liger, <laughs> you know, six man. Yeah. Um, I will, I'm not gonna be surprised to see like a lot of zany teams like that showing up. I think, I think it, it'll be more than just like six teams or something like that. Well, speaking of that, Rich Latta asked, what off the wall three man team would each of you put in the gauntlet? <laughs> what off the wall three man team would each of you put in the gauntlet? I don't know. Who you? Um, uh, I I think we see um, a return of um, what's his name? Um, wow, well, can't believe I'm blanking on his name right now. Kitamura. Yeah, Kitamura. Do you like? Uh, I don't know. Maybe like Kitamura, Makabe, and Hanara or something like that. Okay, I want Kabuki. Oh my god. Tajiri <laughs> and Muda. <laughs> Oh my gosh. And I want him to run the gauntlet. Oh start my to gosh. finish. You're ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. But yeah, I don't know. What what other wild teams could they put in there? I just gave you one. A really good one. Yeah, that, yeah I mean, that would be a wild team to put in there. I mean, it's the Rambo, bro. They bring in some really, like, crazy teams, you know? Um, I don't know. Like... Let's bring in let's bring in like um the NWO. Let's bring in Kevin Nash, <laughs> Scott, Scott Hall, Hall and Hogan. Oh my gosh. And Six Pack. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Like I I want a team like that, you know? Yeah. Like bring in Billy Gunn, Road Dog, Bro, Sting, Goldberg and DDP. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Arya Davari. No. No, the legend our 205 <laughs> legend, Aria, Aria Davari. <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot of teams that you could bring in. So, yeah, it'll be good. All right. So, looks like those are all the Wrestle Kingdom questions for right now. We can move on to the next story. Okay. So, um, for New Year, Fantastic Mania will be running from January 11th to January 21st, followed by the New Beginning Tour from January 26th to uh, February 11th. There will be three major February shows as they are running at the Hokkaido Sports Center on both February 2nd and February 3rd, and then New Beginning in Hokkaido on February 11th for New Beginning in Osaka at the Edian Arena. Um, that's going to be the New Beginning tour. So basically there's going to be three New Beginning um, shows, two in Hokkaido and then one in, Osa- in Osaka. Um, and then uh, there was the announcement of the New Beginning tour in the USA. USA. Um, so New Japan is set to return to the U.S. for two events. Uh, the tour is being called New Beginning USA. The first event will take place January 30th in Los Angeles, California, at the Globe Theater, home of PWG. That's gonna be that's interesting. I mean that what that sits about five thousand. How? So, I'm gonna look it up. Yeah, look, I'm not 100 percent sure. Um, they will follow that two days later with a show in. Flair Country, Charlotte, North Carolina, at the Grady Cole Center on February 1st. It was mentioned during the press conference, um, which announced a tour that the Young Lions that are training at the New Japan Dojo in L.A. will be featured on both shows, and it will be a running in conjunction with the New Japan Tour in Japan. So wrestlers who are not a part of the USA Tour will be wrestling on those cards. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's not far from Florida. I mean, that's a hop, skip, and a jump. I mean, we might need to, uh... Unfortunately, I'm going to be out on a work trip that weekend, so I'm not going to be able to go to that show. That's fine. I got friends. I, I, I know you can go, but I'm not going to be able to make it. I'm very disappointed in that. 
That's all right, because uh, I'm still keeping a strong style. So keeping a strong style will... <laughs> now, I don't know if I'll be able to. There's a lot of... I mean, we're going to WrestleMania weekend and everything like that. Yeah. But, um, you know, maybe uh, we've got listeners out there in, in the Carolinas. If you're... Mr. ACP. ACP. Give us a live report, brother. Hit, hit me up, brother. Um, so no, 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 no. I'm talking about... Put, oh. I'm talking about put me up, bro. Uh. <laughs> um, uh. Although, I don't think that's too far from... Um, from Kyle, Kyle Morris. Oh, yeah, Kyle Morris, Golden Lover, yeah, from Outsider's Edge. Where does he live? He's in South Carolina, <laughs> I think. Maybe maybe Kyle will want to make the trek with me. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, we got a question here from Reddit user Jai Bryan. With the announcements of the four new beginning shows, two taking place in the U.S., which titles do you think will headline each show? Uh, I don't know. Uh. <laughs> Honestly, I think it really all depends on the outcomes of Wrestle Kingdom. If Kenny Omega is still the IWGP champion, I could see him headlining one of the U.S. tours. And with a Tetsuya Naito, if he's the IC champ, I could see him headlining a Japan show. I could see uh, Kota Ibushi, if he re- remains a never champion, I could see him headlining a Japan show. If Osprey wins it, I could see Osprey headlining a U.S. show. Um, so well, I think the interesting thing is that they're, they are doing... Um Two, they're doing three shows in Japan and two in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the one that's happening in Charlotte is on the second, the first, or the first, and it's literally like running back to back to the show that's taking place on February first in um, in Japan. They did make an announcement and said that there's going to be a U.S. crew and a Japanese crew. Mm-hmm. So you know the people that are here obviously are not going to be expected to be back for that other show essentially, which is very interesting that they're running these like back to back that way. Um, they did call this the third leg of their U.S. expansion, which we've been talking about for quite some time. I, I got to tell you, I expect for the U.S. title to headline here. I do not expect for the IWGP title to headline in the U.S. Mm. The reason I don't is because if they're running like the Eddie and Arena, you know, then it's just not really usually New Japan style to run title like a, an IWGP title defense back to back in sub- subsequent weeks right. without a build. It's just really not. That's one of those situations where I feel like if you have the IC title on Naito. He's over enough to be in the main event and to fill up the Eddie and Arena. That's possible. Yeah, that's definitely possible. Here's what I will say. If the IWGP title is here, it's not going to headline over there. Mm-hmm. Most likely. Right. I'm saying if, if it does, I think if, if Kenny's a champion, I see it headlining the U.S. tour. That's You're probably right. Um, February, I mean, they could... The thing is, people are probably listening and be like, well, there's enough time to go back and defend it on February 11th. I don't think it's so much a time constraint. Or I'm uh, like a distance. It's more the time. Mm-hmm. Like they're just they're not gonna do the the IWGB title on two back to back defenses on the same tour. Like right. it's just not gonna happen. Right. You're probably right. If Kenny's champion, he probably will come here and defend the title. Although even then, even then, I don't know if he would because these are still two smaller shows. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if they're gonna have the IWGB title defended on, at the Globe Theater. You know. Right. Um. I don't know about that one. I think it's going to be... I think the U.S. title will definitely headline one of the two shows here. That I know for sure. Yeah. Um, But yeah. um, The traditional early March anniversary show in Tokyo is not scheduled for whatever reason. Instead, the plan is for them to have two 47th anniversary shows on 
uh, March 2nd in Saku and March 4th in Fukushima. The New Japan Cup Tournament starts uh, March 8th at Cork and Hall and March 9th at the Aichi Gym in Nagoya. It will end with shows on March 23rd and March 24th in uh, Nagoya. Uh, Kenny Omega is having a 10-hour marathon on Access TV starting at 2 p.m. Eastern on Friday, December 28th. Um, this marathon will begin with Omega's G1 Climax 2016 win and conclude with his IWGP heavyweight title defense against Kota Ibushi and Cody Rhodes from King of Pro Wrestling 2018. So I believe it's nine matches and all that. Get your DVD, DVRs ready because that's probably going to be an awesome telecast. Um, HBO is reportedly working on a Kenny Omega documentary. Joseph Shabasan, a Toronto composer, mentioned on the Creative Control podcast that he has just finished doing the musical score for a documentary on Kenny Omega that would be on HBO in 2019. Just to clarify, this would be HBO Canada, <clears throat> not HBO in the U.S. The idea is that there was a Canadian who lives in Winnipeg who is well-known in wrestling circles, but most Canadians don't know him who is a major uh, celebrity sports star in Japan. The idea was also distributed outside of Canada, but it was made for the uh, Canadian audience. Uh, and I can say I'm glad that we didn't have to spill the beans on this because yeah, we've known about this for quite some tons quite, of summer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for quite some time um, since before All In. Yeah, yeah, and uh, this is something that we knew before All In, and then at All In there was people talking about you know where are these cameras following Kenny Omega around. Who are these HBO guys? What what are they doing out here? Right. And then we had like a confirmed source tell us kind of what was going on. So. Yeah, and and so this was kind of it's funny that so many people kind of knew about it, and I was like, I'm glad we're not the ones who uh, sp spilled this one. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Kenny was on Twitter uh, tweeting with fans talking about you know people saying that uh, well there a few weeks ago there was a sign that showed up on Raw saying that. Harold Mai and the Elite ruined New Japan, which was hilarious. <laughs> and someone like asked Kenny what he thought about it, and you should definitely check out. It's very interesting, like the back and forths between Kenny and these fans, um, and like how many of the perceptions of the damage that have been done by Kenny and you know the Elite, and then he's able to retort with like so many factual like business-minded, like, responses, like, what are you talking about? How's business down? Like, we outdrew here. Look at our international numbers, this, that, and the other. Um, although I think it is very interesting, like, that Kenny is, like, rebuttaling these fans, and it's kind of like a lose-lose situation. Like, you, you, you can't really win, and that's why social media kind of sucks sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's also news that WWE is interested in pursuing Kushida, and that his contract with New Japan is up in January of 2019, and he may be headed to NXT. Yeah. So, WWE, I mean, they're signing everybody and anybody, so... I can just imagine what that, that like, conversation went like. They were like, Vince, you gotta see this boy. And he's like, he's like, who's that? That's one of Baba's boys. <laughs> <laughs> oh. like, you know you know, Vince thinks, like, everyone in Japan still works for Baba? Like, yeah. <laughs> he's like, I gotta have him. Get him over here, damn! Get get Baba, Michael. Get Baba on the phone. <laughs> They're like Vince, like dude, 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 boss. Baba's not there anymore. <laughs> Call Anoki. I don't care what you gotta do. Get him here. <laughs> I want him. But uh, yeah, so that would be what. What are your thoughts, Kushida going to NXT, man? I mean, I would hate to see Kushida go. Oh, I'd be gutted, dude. He's such an amazing worker and a great talent in New Japan. I don't want to see it. But uh, I'm scared for them to touch any Japanese talent. Right, whatsoever. they have not had a good track record. 
I mean, he'll have a great run at NXT, but after Kenta, after uh, freaking Nakamura, I'm just like, dude, do if you're Japanese talent, do yourself a favor, stay in Japan, do what you gotta do. Don't go. To, I mean, well, I shouldn't say because they're probably making way better money, right? <laughs> but wait, wait, making way better money and working a less, um, well. Uh, still, you can still get hurt in WWE, but you know. As a selfish fan, I, I don't want them to go. Yeah, I'm like, I don't want anyone to ruin Kushida. I'm very, very, very scared of that. So, um, it is interesting though. You know, with everyone talking about how many people are disappearing off the indie scene, I don't know if you've seen this, but like House of Glory and GCW are like pulling in all these Japanese talents over like the next few big shows that they got going. Like Sakamoto's coming over. Onita's coming over, bunch of guys like, um, yeah. WrestleMania weekends can be like stacked with Japanese talent all over the board. Like it's kind of crazy. Like, yeah, yeah. So very interesting stuff. Uh, happy birthday to Tomohiro Ishii. It's his forty third birthday. Um, you know, happy birthday, Stone Pitbull. Also, Ishii is the first confirmed New Japan talent for the Rep Pro Show WrestleMania weekend. Uh, so. He will be on that card. Whether or not he is still the champion is yet to remain to be seen. Uh, we kind of skipped. We skipped two things on the first page here. Um, Cody revealed that he passed on a WWE offer uh, a week ago. He's in the UK um, part of the Fight Forever uh, tour on Bruce Prichard's Something to Wrestle podcast. Uh, a fan asked him um, about returning to WWE, and Rhodes noted he had passed on WWE offer a few weeks ago. And felt there is a market for non-PG wrestling after the success of All In back in September. Interesting stuff. Oh, yes. Uh, Bad Luck Fale is producing a New Japan documentary called The Way. Um, he's an executive producer on this. This is going to be a documentary that focuses on the Australia tour that they recently did earlier this past year. Um, so that will, should be coming out shortly. Um and then um, the fan vote for the MVP of New Japan Pro Wrestling uh, was tweeted out. The results uh, at Reason JP, our good friend Chris Charlton. Um, coming in at number five was Jay White. Number four, Tetsuya Naito. Number three, Kenny Omega. Number two, Hiromu Takahashi. And the MVP winner for the fan vote was Hiroshi Tanahashi. The ace that runs the place. Very, very, very interesting. Uh, I think... It, in the past two years, there's no way that Tetsuya Naito would not have won that handedly. Right, yeah. Just goes to show you, um, he's still over, but the booking has brought him down some of the fans' eyes. Do you think um, you think this was legit? Or like it's like just a gimmick? Uh, no, I think, I think based on the rankings, I think it could be legit. Okay. Um, the History of the Bullet Club Part 2 is now out on YouTube and New Japan World, so if you get a chance, definitely check that out. Free match of the week, Tetsuya Naito and Hiroshi Tanahashi uh, taking on the team of uh, Kazushika Okada and um, Shinsuke Nakamura from the Road to Tokyo Dome 2013. And then being the elite. The elite. The the, the, the elite. elite. Break it down. So this week's being the elite. Uh, watch it before the show. I'm trying to remember what happened right oh, now. I didn't, I didn't watch it. Right uh, I know uh, they had a funny opening scene where... Um, Christopher Daniels, he's in the hospital after overdosing on alcohol, or he passed out, whatever it was, the week before. They and did that, yeah, they did that scene last week where he fell and he had, like, a glass stuck in his neck. Yeah, and that so... That was, like, literally taken directly from season three of Fargo. Like, literally, like, someone on someone who's doing Being the Elite was, like, watching Fargo and was like, this would be a great idea. 
um, so yeah, so then they had um, Dan or um, Kazarian and um, Scorpio Sky at the hospital, and they gave him like an SCU blood transfer and had helped uh, Daniels get better. Um, they had um, Hangman Page just trying to find more notes about um, from Triple H, and then they, somebody gave them a note about um, coming to them. They should come to them after Final Battle 2018. Um, uh, Yujiro Takahashi had a hilarious line. He was like, they were in the locker room. He's like, oh, look, it's the Young Bucks. Oh, and Kenny Omega. What, are you Brock Lesnar? <laughs> 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 and he was just like ripping on those guys. Um, I mean, is he wrong? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yeah, that's, that's the things I'm remembering right now. But there wasn't really any big teases really on this episode. I got a question. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's something I thought about. I was talking to Rich about this. You and I haven't talked about it. Do you think that AEW is a red herring and it's just a leverage play to get more money and that there's literally no action? Like, I'm putting on my conspiracy hat here, but do you think that they're not actually building any promotion and the thing they're going to announce is just all in two? And really what they're trying... The the only reason they took those trademarks out was to scare the promoters into giving them more money? I mean, it's a possibility. I've heard other people speculate that this could be a a play to get... um, Money. Do you know it's the one thing that makes me feel like maybe that's true? Hmm. Tuesday night dynamite. <laughs> Does that not sound like a freaking rib? Yeah. That they're like they're like, we gotta we gotta come up with a name that is just so ridiculous and they're like dynamite. Tuesday night dynamite. And then like they're like it's just like them literally playing a rib on the whole entire industry. I don't know, man. Like sometimes like I sometimes I feel like, yeah, they're absolutely do, trying to get this, you know distribution deal and they're going to go on TV and try to build something and then other times I think like they don't really actually want to do this at all and it's not like what they're trying to do they're just it's literally a power play to just I mean how expensive is it to take out a copyright to create the illusion that you're going to start something you know right Uh, speaking of AEW we had a question from Reddit user Harrison G with Jericho recently meeting with Impact and his apparent desire to continue working with the elite crew do you guys see AEW possibly buying or merging with Impact? If this were to happen, it would get the new promotion on TV with an excellent roster on day one. I mean, it's 2019. <laughs> About to be. Anything is possible in pro wrestling. But I do see this as being extremely unlikely. Yeah, I, I don't see them. I could see them partnering with Impact, featuring Impact guys on AEW. But I don't see AEW taking over Impact. Oh, I wouldn't. If I was, if I'm AEW, I would stay the hell away from Impact. You do not want to get the stench of Impact on your right, brand new yeah. brand. Um, Impact is a fantastic company right now that puts on an excellent product. They just happen to have 18 years almost of like no actual good faith with the fans to this point pretty much and you just can't outrun that like once the the brand is so damaged the other thing too is like i don't think that they want to buy a company that is strictly literally just bleeding and losing money like anthem doesn't want the company <laughs> <laughs> anthem yeah. doesn't anthem's looking for a way to get rid of them and they're like these the elite guys are nothing if not smart businessmen. Mm-hmm. The, the the final other reason I don't ever see this happening is, uh, 
like Impact is scrambling right now, whether you guys know it or not. They are scrambling to find a television deal. Yeah. So to say like and also the television deal that they have right now is horrible. Is horrible. The kind of AEW, the kind of television deal that they need cannot be like a pop TV level deal. Otherwise there's no point to doing what they're trying to do. Right. They need something big. Yeah. They yeah. need they need network cable <clears throat> television. Um, so no, I do not see this even being anything possible. The only reason that maybe a company would want to buy Impact, it's not for the roster, it's not for their TV spot. There's only one thing they have that is worth real, real value. It's that uh, that library. Mm-hmm. That tape library is gold. Everything right. else is crap. Yeah. Uh, question from Reddit user 141byte. Thoughts on the lack of any black wrestlers on the New Japan roster now that ACH is out? Uh, any suggestions for ones to add that aren't rumored to be signed to WWE, like Shane Strickland? First one that stands out to me is Rich Swan. Uh, they should pick up my boy Troy Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, pick up uh, Snoop Strikes. Uh, Snoop. Well, I think Snoop prefers to go by the name of Koto these days. Koto can and Koto will. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean New Japan's clearly a very racist company. <laughs> <laughs> They don't. They don't have any black talent. Um, I don't know. I mean, there. I mean, one guy that comes out to my mind like immediately, and I think he's maybe the most underutilized and most talented black wrestler, not in any major promotion, is Willie Mack. Yeah, the current NWA. Uh, what's what the uh, what championship was that he just won? United National or some crap. Oh, the, the NWA National Champion. Yeah. Uh, I love Willie Mack. I think Willie Mack is incredible. Um, who else is is a black wrestler that's out there that's that's really good right now? I'm trying to think of somebody who's not on WWE's radar. Sai Saba, what what was his name? Oh, uh, uh, Ali Ali Sabah or uh, Sai Sabah? I forget his name. Yes. Yeah, he's actually a really good worker. Yeah. Um, uh, Leon Ruff. I don't know if he's ready right now, but he's a very talented guy. Uh, I actually follow a page on Instagram that has like. Uh, they're like something about all the black wrestlers that are out there, like on the indies and stuff. Um, but I don't know. I really don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'm 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 kind of like deferring more to you, Jeremy. Like I'm. I mean, seriously, I I know you're joking, but I think Troy Hollywood would be a great somebody to be great in New Japan. Uh, and Snoop, um, you know, Leon Ruff. I think Willie Mack is a great choice that you mentioned. The thing is, is like. Um, what we kind of have been alluding to the fact that like the indies are becoming depleted. Mm-hmm. Um, Myron Reed is a guy. Oh yes, yes, hot uh, hot fire Myron Reed. Oh yeah, he's yeah he's awesome. But a lot of these guys are like guys that you would for the most part see like on the like in the junior division essentially. Right. Uh, Ar Fox. Yeah, Ar Fox is yeah of course Ar Fox is another guy that's excellent. But I mean he's an evolve and I mean. Everybody's just getting picked up is the thing. Yeah. Like, like, and anyone who starts to get any notoriety, it feels like they're just going to turn around and get signed. Maybe they should pick up Elix Skipper. Dude. <laughs> what what the heck happened? Does anybody know what happened to Where, primetime Elix Skipper? Where's primetime? <laughs> they need to bring him back. <clears throat> oh, here, here's what it is. BWA News, Black Wrestling Alliance. This is a real page that I uh, follow on Instagram. Um... Shout out to Black Wrestling Alliance on on Instagram. They're always uh, kind of showcasing a lot of the talent that's out there that maybe people aren't as aware of. But 
Yeah. Isn't it funny that you're following Black Wrestling Alliance and I'm not? Why is that? Why is that funny, Jeremy? <laughs> oh, uh, Jonathan Gresham. Oh yeah, the octopus. Yeah. Jonathan Gresham's great. Um, I know he's got heat, uh, heat with Rich Ladder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Rich wants to uh, face him at a uh, uh, Bloodsport. No, he doesn't. <laughs> oh my gosh. But yeah, I mean, um, maybe the maybe they should pick up Velveteen. <laughs> oh my gosh, bro. New J- Velveteen coming to New Japan that would like make my year. I freaking love Velveteen Dream. But yeah, I mean, a lot of the like great black talent that is out there. Like the truth of the matter is, they go to WWE. They're already in the in the queue, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Uh, question from Reddit user Muzza underscore forty four. F. Mary Kill, Miho Abe, Peter, and Brandy Rhodes. Uh, uh-uh, this is a family show, sir. We, we don't play that game here. We don't have time for this type of shenanigans. This is a serious podcast. Um, Muzza, shame on you. <laughs> shame on you. Now, here's my real problem, Muzza. Okay, I've tolerated this game in the past because it was a comedy bit, okay? You were giving us names of, of you know, professional wrestlers, you know, that... This we would never actually have to put any real thought into, but now you're playing games with my heart. Okay, <laughs> Brandy Rhodes, Miho Abe, and Peter. Like, what am I supposed to do there? This is not this is not a funny bit anymore. This is life and death. This is a real life situation right here. Now I have to I have to like approach this with levity and gravity and so much seriousness and like and I don't want to. You're making me you're making me focus on choices that are negative. I don't need this sort of negativity in my life, Muzza. <laughs> oh my gosh, dude. I, I yeah, I Okay. With that being said, it's obviously F Peter, Mary, Brandy Rhodes, and Kill Miho Abe. Dude, that's <laughs> my, that's my exact one too, dude. <laughs> The uh, last question comes from Mr. ACP. He said, not as much as a New Japan question, but more as a general wrestling opinion. Does the predictability of a match's outcome affect your enjoyment of a match? Can too many predictable outcomes on a card affect your anticipation slash enjoyment of a show? Absolutely. I think that when wrestling is at its absolute best, you don't know the outcome of matches. Case in point, last year... When they had Tetsuya Naito going up against uh, Okada in the main event. Yes, many people thought it was an open and shut thing. But if you really analyzed it and you thought about the um, various outcomes and the various different uh, like possibilities, you could have you gone either way. Mm-hmm. And when a match feels like it, <clears throat> it can go either way. That's the best. That's the best. Because then you're hooked on every single, every single near fall. Everybody right now is feeling like this Wrestle Kingdom main event is open and shut, and it's not. It's really not. And there are people who think that because Kenny might be leaving, that it's a, like he's for sure losing. There's other people who think it's been a foregone conclusion since last year that Kenny's winning in the Tokyo Dome, and they think obviously that like that's why Tanahashi's there. But the reality is, is like no one knows. And, yeah, and you can build business around either of these guys, and that's just one example. Uh, I will say with New Japan, though, in general, for the most part, yes, they have predictable outcomes. All wrestling shows do, but lots of times with the fact that a lot of the matches don't matter, it's not always that predictable. 
especially like when you have like a big tournament, like a tag league or a G one, and they have you never know. I mean, they're I mean, almost New, impossible. New Japan Cup. Who called Saber running the running through the tournament this year? Yeah, yeah, it's 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 nearly impossible um, to predict stuff like that. And I always enjoy it when there are surprises, and I enjoy it when it is sometimes when it is predictable. I do enjoy it because. It brings like order and consistency to a show. You know, there are times when a guy should go over, and you can kind of see those trends. And it sucks when like people try to be unpredictable just for the swerve, just, bro. Yeah, just to be yeah that Vince Russo sort of crap. Um, but yeah, I mean overall, I mean your best matches and your highest quality matches are going to be the ones that are the hardest to predict, and that because you can buy into it more. Yeah. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this week. Uh, next week, we'll be back with reviews of the Road to Tokyo Dome shows that are happening this weekend. Don't forget to get your votes in for our second annual Keeping a Strong Style Year in Awards. Yes. The voting will be closing soon. and the, the winners will be announced on Christmas Day. So get your votes in. Share the ballot with your friends. Let's continue to get up the votes for that awards. Uh, make sure you connect with us on social media on Twitter. I'm at Jeremy L. Donovan. The show is at KI Strong Style. Social Suplex is at Social Suplex. On Facebook, we're facebook.com slash social suplex. You can also join us in the Wrestling Squared Circle. Facebook.com slash group slash Wrestling Squared Circle. Also on Reddit, I am the Pro Black Guy. Josh is keeping it strong style. You can email me, Jeremy, at socialsuplex.com with questions or if you want to be a part of the Social Suplex team. You can check out all the other shows on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. One Nation Radio, hosted by Rich Latta and James Boyd. They just dropped uh, part one of their WWE pay-per-view year in review. We have the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show. I know they'll have a TLC preview coming up soon. Uh, the Outsider's Edge featuring Rance, Carl, and Kyle. Our podcast dedicated to independent pro wrestling, Grown Men Watch This Shit, hosted by Jeremy Tate and Chris Bryan. And be on the lookout for a new show coming to the network this week. Uh, it was, the news broke on Social Suplex Twitter this week that... It broke Twitter, it broke the Twitterverse. That uh, Wilford Watches could be uh, joining, so... Be on the lookout on the feed for uh, Wilford Watches this week. And you're going to learn something, Wilford, when you're social suplex. You're social suplex for life. Also, thank you to everybody who wished, congratulated us on our one-year anniversary. Yes, we got a lot of shout-outs and kind words. So thank you, guys. Thank you for all the love and support. Keep showing love and support um, by subscribing and leaving ratings on whatever podcast app you use. Don't forget to check out powerslam.tv. Use that code social suplex to get your free month. And until next time, goodbye and good night. Bang. Go ace. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time. We'll see you next time.